There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, the do I. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Power Chord Hour podcast. Hope you're doing well out there. And uh, this week's episode, we're doing an album analysis with uh, my my pop punk expertise buddies who have been on here many, many times now. We got Zach, we got Kyle here with us, and we are talking about, the more I'm thinking about this, and I don't even know that I realized it when I said we should do this EP, but really probably the most underrated Blink-182 release I may have to go with. But uh, fucking Dogs Eating Dogs EP, that is what we are talking about on this here episode. We're going to go through, we're going to talk about it. Um, I mean, right off the bat, and I can't remember, I think it was you, Kyle, when we did our top five Blink songs, you had like one or two songs off the EP, didn't you, that are like your favorite of all time Blink songs? Yeah, I had one, and I'm pretty sure Zach also had one. Oh, did you? That is correct. Oh, shit, I forgot. You did, too. Okay. Okay, so then, I mean, right away, I think it's easy to say we all we all enjoy this EP. This is all, uh, I think we all have pretty, like, positive shit to say about it. Definitely. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah, I love this EP. I'm just very critical of it because of what could have been. Ooh, okay, and I... I think we've I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but I'm interested to hear like both of you more on that because you're both such like high fans. Like I love I love the album or the EP. I mean I don't I don't know that they're like in my top five songs, but like overall this fucking thing's great. And like my biggest complaint is that like by the end of it you're just like oh shit it could keep, it should keep going. I'm like it's just you know including with Blink because they're not a band to do EPs. Like this kind of came out of nowhere. I feel I know, like. it was sick though. Right? Like you don't really they're not it a was, band. It was cool. Cuz they're not like like pop punk bands now, like there's so many of them where it's like they do like four or five EPs before they ever even do a full length. Where Blink don't really come from that like generation where it's like, "Oh, we'll just throw an EP out here like that." Like it just kind mm-hmm. of, you know, which I also feel like probably to some degree a response to Neighborhoods cuz I also forget that it only came out like a year after Neighborhoods. Neighborhoods, I think, came out like September 2011, and then this came out in December 2012. So, I mean, we're talking like a year and a couple months. Um, one thing one thing I will say, and then we'll get into the songs, but as far as aging goes, um, I'll ask both of you this, but I was looking, I, listening back to Dogs Eating Dogs and then listening back to Neighborhoods more lately, as far as reunion, post-reunion blink with Tom, Dogs eating dogs, I think, is superior to neighborhoods. I think it's aged better. Uh, how how do both of you feel on that? Which one do you think is aged better? Uh, I mean, I think collectively we would all agree that dogs eating dogs aged better, um, just quality wise. And like, and like, it's not like there's like really bad songs on neighborhoods. It's just the the quality of the songs could have been better and whatever they faulted on, on neighborhoods, they made up for it on dogs eating dogs. Yeah. It is kind of, I almost feel like, like again, in a way, in apology, I, I don't know. It sounds weird. Cause I'm, I'm not saying this as someone who like, I like neighborhoods for the most part. 
I liked it a lot more when it came out. I, I think now at this point I like about half of it. But I do feel in a lot of ways it is almost their apology about neighborhoods. Not that neighborhoods is a dog shit record. But again, like what neighborhoods could have been, this is kind of like, hey, look, we can still do it. You know, like because you do when you listen to this album, I feel like what you were just talking about, like some of the weaker points in neighborhoods, I feel like we're fixed here, uh, whether it's vocal. Like I think vocally, uh, for one thing I noticed listening back, I think Tom had some really good, like some really good vocal deliveries on this EP that uh, he really outdid himself, I think, compared to the uh, to neighborhoods. Like I think I think Mark is Mark is about the same, but I also feel like Mark's voice hasn't changed as much throughout the years. Obviously, Tom's the one that uh, everyone's a little more critical of. But like I think vocally, he he did better on this one. Um, I I also think too. Oh shit! Hey, wait, Kyle, you still there? <laughs> Kyle, you oh, there? Man. Yeah. You know you know who it was. You fucking know who it was. As soon as you said how good Tom's vocal delivery was. God damn, dude. (laughs) Not again. Not again. It's the curse. It's the curse of the hoppers. Oh yeah, dude. Zach, you weren't on here for the boxcar racer one. Every every time I I remember you guys telling me, so I know uh, that Mark's (laughs) listening right now, so uh he can act like he's not be on his Twitch streams, but I know he's going to talk about us on his Twitch stream. So yeah, what's up, Mark Hobbes? What I meant to say is Tom was dead weight on this EP, and I wish they, oh, no they would have uh, <laughs> taken him off all the songs, and it just would have been – actually, I wish they would have did it as a two-piece, like 21 Pilots, and it was just Travis, Travis and Mark doing a 21 <laughs> Pilots uh, kind of no. style EP. No. Hell yeah, dude! Hell yeah, that's a nice, isn't that, isn't that's a that nice throwback. Guy, uh, yes, that's that's yeah, a nice throwback. The dirty now. Yeah, that was a good throwback there, dude. Yeah, dude. All I right. Was just listening to that. Well, let's get in. Let's get into the songs because I think from there we'll end up just getting into like the fucking EP in general. So let's start off with track number one. When I was young, you know what's kind of funny about this? I feel like in a way. They're almost trolling us for a second because when you put this EP on, as good as this song is, it starts off very Ava-like. And and at first I'm kind of like, which, you know, depending who you are, that could be a good or a bad thing. But, like, the song I feel like goes in a total different direction when it finally breaks in. But, like, that intro has a very, like, it's very Ava-like. I, I don't know. How do, you, how do you two feel about the intro itself? I... I, I hate to bitch at the beginning, but I don't. I don't love the synthy intro. I, I feel like I feel like uh, it's too Ava y. Well, if I'll weigh in, uh, this is my favorite song on the EP, so I'm probably going to talk the most about this song. Um, this song is just like amazing to me, and if, okay, so just not to get off track, uh, the opening. Um, yeah, it does kind of sound like Angels and Airwaves, but, like, I mean, it, if you take away, if you just, like, think of it as a separate, like, piece of art, like, yeah, it's just another synthesizer, but what I can actually hear when I'm listening to Opener, it, it, it's kind of like a big buildup for me, and I can actually clearly hear that Mark Hoppus has a very distinctive bass tone, as you probably both know, and I can hear that coming through and on that like build-up intro. It is mixed in there well. I know what you're talking about. It is mixed in there well. 
you can hear that Mark Hoppus bass tone. I'm like, I, I don't know. I like the I like the opener. I think it's a I think it's um, a good build up for what is about to come, as you said, because you were like it changes and gets better. But yeah, I think it, it's just a good build up. It is kind of a weird thing to start on. I agree because I'm not talking shit on this song. I love I love this song as well. It's just to me. Again, and even not me myself, but I'm like, if you listen to neighborhoods and people were bitching that like parts that sounded too Ava like, I feel like this EP was more like something that they deliver on. But if you listen to that song before you hear the rest of it, I think at first you listen to it not realizing that it is about to kick your ass. And I wonder if that's intentional too. Maybe that was an intentional on their part, you know? I mean, and you're not wrong. I guess it is a, a good buildup, but I would say that's one of my which I think you'll hear that as we talk about this. And I think at some point I just have to realize that it's how Mark and Tom write. But my one criticism, I think, going through the EP, and I think a lot of people do it, and I'm not throwing guilty, but going, this sounds too much plus 44, this sounds too much Angels and Airwaves. And after a while, I think even I have to get over that and just be like, yo, that's just how they write. You know, It may not even be those bands in general. That's just how those, uh, just how those two write. Uh, Kyle, I mean, like, how the fuck do you feel about this song, man? Where where does this sit with you? Like, I like it. Um, it's kind of like what you said, how, like, the intro kind of, like, teases that AVA style. Um, even to the point where, like, I remember first listening to it and thinking, like, this is, a, like, a ghost on the dance floor cut, copy, and paste. Because it kind of has that same mild buildup as ghosts. Yeah where it has that very angels and airwaves type delivery. And then it, you know, it kicks, it kicks in right when the the first verse kind of comes through, which I really think Travis helped a lot, keeping the tempo of that song, like kind of more in the fashion of like what blink would be. Cause if it could have been any other drummer, it could have just kept possibly just a very kind of uplifting, but it would have plateaued at one point where this, because of the the tempo change after that intro, it keeps building. It doesn't plateau. It keeps building all the way through to the chorus. And I think that was what really drove it home to me that this is going to be a Blink song and not Tom's writing an AVA song that just got handed over to Blink, you know? Yeah, I I think too, Zach, like you, you brought up with Mark's bass, the the thing I will give the core or the not the chorus the intro that buildup of Travis Travis is uh, like snare in the beginning in the mix and same with Marks where they both start really low like you're right there is kind of the blink element is hidden in there and I guess that is more intentional I feel like that's just you know like like studio wise you know they purposely kind of do that in the mix and it's kind of hidden in there you know it's not as it's not as present as it may be in a normal blink song. But you do have that, like, that, you know, Travis's, like, you know, just the shit he does on the snare and, you know, kind of Mark's, like, signature bass buildup. And, yeah, the way they the way they do it, I think that works well. And I think you're right, too. Like, Travis has so much to do. I, I think his playing, like, even if you listen to that drum beat in the verses, like, it's so unique and so neat. It's one of those ones where I go, I can only hear Travis play like that. I can't think of another artist or another drummer who you could put in those shoes and could do something like that. Like I have no clue what that band really would even sound like at that point with uh, you know, like cuz even another like I love Scott Rayner, but that is that is one of those arguments where you go, you know, if if they were still the same band this many years later, 
could they ever pull off, you know, songs like this with another drummer, whether it be Scott or, you know, like anyone else. I just I don't know who you would put in in place of Travis on on this. Yeah. Well, do you know around this time they were touring with uh, Brooks? Oh yeah, you're yeah 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 yeah, you're right. From uh, or he wasn't Bad Religion. Now I think he's in like Avenged Sevenfold, maybe. Yeah, he kill he kills it in that band too, though. Oh, he's Uh, a good drummer. Oh, he's a good he's a good drummer. uh, He's been in a few bands, I think, too. Even even before that, he's one of those guys who kind of like Adam Willard or like a a Josh Freeze or something, where like they've been in I think just tons of. uh, bands because they're so fucking good everyone wants wants to play with them yeah one thing i found interesting though around like the whole like beef around uh when you know neighborhoods came out and then you know tom quit the band again like maybe two years later or so um but when like mark and travis were saying like how that tom hadn't like returned their calls and like uh he was just like salty uh about like wanting to get replaced uh for your shows and stuff and then so then tom came out with like an instagram post and said how like they almost kicked travis out of the band because he didn't want to fly oh yeah i do um, remember that and that they almost had um brooks wackerman be the drummer of blink 182 and they were about to record like a punk rock album with like one of the producers of bad religion oh shit that I don't remember. Like, I forgot about that part. I remembered the replacing him. I forgot all this other shit. Yeah, he said this like all in a post, and he was like, "Yeah, so like you, you know how about how like artists like beef with each other though? Now they just like post selfies of each other now." <laughs> well, didn't they <laughs> they're, rebuttal they're, though? Wasn't that the one where like after Mark or just the Blink team like did rebuttal and say something like technically? we weren't going to kick Travis out or something. Maybe I'm remembering that wrong. Yeah, they did say that. They did say that. That day was full of drama. Like, I remember a couple back and (laughs) forth. I remember being in college. Like, I I had shit to do, too. Like, I remember being in the computer lab with shit to work on, going, like, why fucking today? Like, all day just on my phone going, what the fuck? Like, what? Because at first it started, you saw the the poster where it said, like, Blink-182 with Matt Skiba and nothing else, and it's like, well, is Matt playing with them? Like, what's going on yeah. here? And then it just starts unfolding, and you're and by the end of the day, you're just like, well, I didn't fucking see that happening. I didn't, I did not expect all that. God damn. That yeah, that wasn't a good day. I remember that day. No, that that was a sad then, day. <laughs> yeah, and then like all the like all the like kids that played in bands like that I grew up with were like. Fuck Tom DeLong on the internet. You know I spent the day defending my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta defend your boy. Yeah. Getting getting back to uh to the song, I will say too, like I think this is one of Tom's better vocal performances post reunion blink. Like for people who kind of shit on his vocals, and again, there are some songs where it's like, all right, I, I think that's fair enough. I think on this song you can't you really can't complain. I think this is one of the best Tom DeLong vocal deliveries you could get present day, whether it be 2012, whether it be 2021. Like, I think this is a, I think this is really solid for him. Like, like, like I think he sounds great on this song. This is his second best delivery since then. <laughs> you do, what, what is the other one? I, I would wait. Is it on here later? Is it on the CP? Maybe. Okay. Then, then, then you don't have to reveal it yet. I, I, was, I actually, 
so I think that I agree, but once again, this is my favorite song, so I'm biased, but uh, I think that this is his best vocal delivery as well, and I would even, like, compare this to, like, Untitled. Yeah, yeah, Like that's fair. Like, it doesn't sound as... Tom's always been whiny, but it doesn't sound as like in Angels and Airways when we don't need to whisper something, something. Maybe it was because of Fox Car Racer, but he got like even whinier after Take Off Your Pants <laughs> and Jacket. So well, like, uh, but this is less whiny. Well, there was a, a a story. I don't know if it's true or not, but there's a story I heard that after uh, Take Off and like kind of a little bit with Box Car. That he started actually taking vocal lessons because he was starting to just throw his voice out. So he actually learned how to sing with his diaphragm and not with like his head, essentially, with like his nasal and his throat. So that's why everything after had more of like, you know, it wasn't like angsty aggression. It was more soft and it was more open because he, from this story, took vocal lessons to extend his vocal range and oh shit that's interesting i didn't know that i don't know if it's true but that's the story that i heard around like the i empire era yeah i mean that would make sense like when you're talking like if you start thinking about like how he sounds on those records like that timeline wise that that would make sense i did hear that um you know he like in around that time boxcar racer time too he did like slip a disc in his back Oh, yeah. And he was on, like, painkillers for a really long time. I heard that the painkillers just deteriorated his vocal cords. I think they do. that's why he sounded, like, shittier. And, like, some, like, like, I, I read somewhere where, the, like, pills, like, of that sort could, like, affect your vocal cords. And I heard that's, like, why he started sounding different. Yeah, I, I think not just him. Like, I, I think I have heard that, that you can do that with painkillers like that is one of the things it can do so i mean that like that totally would make sense because he did he obviously yeah didn't he get addicted to him oh yeah no he he, said he was openly addicted to him that whole dude if you go back like the whole reason he has those like visions of grandeur during the first like ava record and like how he's like Mm -hmm. we're the greatest band of all time this is the greatest album to come out since like u2's joshua tree or like whatever the fuck he was saying all that's fueled by painkillers or at least most of it like all Just that watch the watch the the dvd right yeah like it's fully documented like he uh and i think he's pretty open with that too you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like and it's hard not to be i mean because he was on you know when you're someone like that too that is kind of interesting because it's like you're going through like addiction or something like that but you're going through it in front of everybody like that's a crazy thing you know what i mean like it's like like you're, you can't just go through it. Now there's like a DVD. You're like in the press. Like it's well documented. But uh, yeah, I, I could see where that uh, would have fucked up his uh, vocals because I don't know why I know that, but I have heard that from other places that uh, that painkillers do that to you. And I forget which one, whichever one we were just talking about, two boxcar racer. It's kind of funny. One of the things I've written down, like the intro has an Ava feel, but the chorus reminds me of Boxcar Racer. Do either of you get that? Like, I, I feel like it's probably the chord progression, but it's very like Boxcar Racery to me. Like, I feel like if you reworked it a little bit, that could have been not the whole song, but the chorus wise. That's something I feel like you could have heard on that record. I, I'd agree. That sounds very possible. I actually kind of thought, and I, I don't know for sure, obviously, but like 
as far as like the, what the chord progression was, I was thinking either like could be boxcar or it could have just been a Mark Hoppus riff because Mark Hoppus's guitar playing, like when he's like demoing songs, like I can hear it from a mile away. I feel like and like his riffs on guitar are just not really like punchy, mm-hmm. and that's like like the riff itself doesn't seem punchy, but the tone that it's in sounds really good. And I don't know if that's just because of Tom's, you know, tones and the, the way they did it in the studio, or if it was, you know, or if it was Mark, but it, I love the riff. I just wish there was just a little bit more bite to some of this guitar work. See that? That's interesting. Where, that's where I think it would because have to be re- reworked for Boxcar Racer. Cause I'm like in the mix, it's not that ballsy, but like, the progression itself is boxcar racer, but if you were to have it on a record, yeah, you would need it like louder in the mix and more gain on the guitar, which really you could do on this song, and I think it would help it out. Really, like I don't think that would hurt if they would do it on this song either. I actually want to weigh in. You guys were like just shitting on Tom's guitar tone. <laughs> uh, Defend I him. Defend his this honor. Song, this, dude, this song has the best guitar tone on the whole EP, and what's crazy is here's my theory. I think it has the chunkiest, like lowest, like uh, bass, like highest gain of the whole EP, and uh, that reason being, you know, like artists don't really tell you like what guitars and what amps they use all the time in the studios, and I know for a fact that Tom still has his Fenders and his uh, some of his Mesa amps, and I really think that they brought out the fender or at least a mesa amp or a fender uh strat his custom strats for this recording because it just doesn't sound like his hollow body at all i could see that because yeah i mean artists i i could definitely i mean like enema of the state most of the guitar on that was a paul reed smith you would never if you look at the guitar he recorded most of enema with which was jerry finn's you would never see him be caught anywhere playing that guitar like he would never I don't like until I don't think people realized he played that guitar on that album until like years ago when Jerry Finn's estate had like like was auctioning shit off and there were like pictures of it and pictures of him in the studio with it. So like yeah, there there there's definitely including with Blink, I think they use a lot of different shit rather than just their like signature uh you know like guitars and basses and like you know the normal uh like has you know the amps and shit that they uh play live i definitely feel like they including tom because look at what he does in ava like he fucks around with instruments enough where i feel like he's someone in the studio who would definitely be like oh we got to try you know this guitar with this amp and we got to try this combo and how would it sound if we did it this way like i get i get the uh, i get the idea that tom's very uh playful and kind of explore you know what i mean like i feel like he explores in the studio so i i think you're on to something something there zach it just sounds too familiar. I, I feel like the tone is, it's like, uh, to me, like, I, I classify this, like, as almost an older Blink song. Like, it, it sounds like it could have been on Untitled. And I, I really just think, like, yeah, he probably didn't play, like, his, like, signature models or something. But he did something to the mix that they used to do or use an amp that he used to play on. Maybe one of the amps from that time era. But uh, his guitar tone, because he started using Vox and Fender Twins live and everything, and it just had more of a trebly boost 
to his like signal yeah, and like it, it just didn't really sound full but like i really think that when i was young has really full guitar tone what kind of at least on the choruses oh like, definitely on the chorus on the verses like one of the notes that i have on like the whole ep in general but on this song specifically is that like like he does his what i call his ava riffs on like a lot of verses where he just hits like single note like octave riffs and lets them ring out and like it's fine like it's not like a bad thing i just that's a very like it's now like kind of like a, an ava staple where like he doesn't play a lot of guitar during the verses he kind of like will ring out a note and let his vocals carry yeah instead of like playing and he does that on the verse here and i wish there was just a little bit more because like he just does like this little like octave slide and it's so low in the mix and it's just like i wish there was more because either a couple you know strums or just a little bit more volume there, there could have been more there and i just wish that it was now that you bring, i agree like, like now that you bring that up too i've never thought of that but like some of my complaints on some of the, like the post reunion stuff that they did, like where I'm like, I don't love this. I think it's that what you're talking about. The songs were like the verses. Tom really, I guess, really does that like thing that he does in Ava, and it's like it's kind of there's not much going on with the guitar. Like cause there's not the classic. He's not chugging along on power chords and shit. He's just it leaves a lot of space too because they're a trio. And like I love Mark, but Mark's not doing crazy shit on bass. And like, there's just too much space sound-wise on some of those. Where I, I think, I think that's maybe what my complaint is. What you're talking about, where it's like, there's just they leave room for more stuff there. You know what I mean? There's a lot of room, like, I like to desire more or whatever. Like, they could do so much more sound-wise with the space they have that they don't when he does that. And kind of like building off that too. I was, I was gonna bring up uh, like earlier when you were talking about. Uh, Zach, kind of like some of the louder, beefier, like older Blink guitars. The other thing on this album or this song that I think would really, and I do like this song a lot. I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I don't really like this song, but my other bitch would be uh, again where it goes in Ava territory is that bridge where I wish they would have done something with guitar. Like, had they taken that synth out, where again it's like it's just too Ava. Like, there's, there's nothing there. It's just this like. It's an uninspired synth riff. There's not a lot. Like, Travis has a cool drum beat going. Like, he's doing some cool shit on drums, but it's like, I would rather in there some kind of, like, loud, obnoxious guitar or something. Like, that's where I would have liked it to be more, you know, blinkish or something. Like, replace that synth with guitar. Like, that's, I think that happens a lot on this EP, though, where there's times where I go, take that synth out either altogether or just replace it with guitar. But I also give them credit. I also have a few places written down where I go, synth works really well on here. But for the oh, most yeah. part, I think we don't need synth and blink. Very rarely. It works. It works every now and then. But for the most part, I don't want synth and blink songs. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, So an op the open chord, the octave thing, I'm going back a little bit. Uh that kind of reminds me, he's been doing that a lot since uh, Box Car Racer and Self-Titled. That's kind of yeah. like his style on that. Like, he, he kind of... You feel like he does it that much on those? See, I feel like I don't I notice so. that more to, like, Ava. It picked up on Box Car. It, like, developed on Box Car, and then he's all over Untitled. And then, like, uh, 
I but I like it. It's just a different kind of style of playing. He's just trying to like be a different kind of guitarist, I guess. I don't know. It just works. He still knows how to play the riffs and everything. He you hear when he was doing those live videos or whatever, uh in live performances, he can still play all the hard riffs and everything. So it's not like he doesn't know how to play them and everything. Um secondly, oh. uh, uh I just wanted to say this. Uh I love the synth on when I was young. And the I don't fuck think out it of sounds here. like it doesn't sound like it. it doesn't sound like Angels and Airwaves at all because it's like its own synth and like I I'm biased, like I kinda like the sound of synth uh in some recordings. It works in some recordings, and in some recordings it's just like please don't ever play synth again. <laughs> um but like I'm a sucker for a good synth and um the way I think it's a departure from Angels and Airwaves is because it almost sounds too cartoonish. If you think about it. Are you talking about uh, the bridge it, or just the synth in the general? Bridge synth. The See, bridge synth. See, I think that synth. sounds the cheesiest. That one to me sounds the cheesiest. And it's just him going like, like just as like back and forth. I'm like, it's just fucking cheesy. I don't, I think it, I don't know. I, I think it contrasts the huge chorus once again. Um, and I, I like it. It's, I, it, it doesn't remind me of angels and airwaves. I consider it. It's like own like synth like part. And I, I think it contrasts the chorus really well. And I don't know. I, I actually love that part. Uh, that's there. There's been some, synth parts on angels and airwave songs and even neighborhood songs uh that i was like that shouldn't have even been in there or like they'll like add live synth parts to like like the reunion uh performances and you're like why did they even throw a synth in that part yeah uh but i really think that the bridge synth like part on when i was young is a good part and you can hate me for that fact <laughs> To each is a now. Now here's what I will say. I do like the build up back into the chorus. Like I think they do that really well. I like the bridge going back into the chorus. That is a nice transition. Like my my whole thing is like you could almost keep that, keep everything, but take out the synth and put some kind of guitar in. Not even a solo. Like he could even do that spacey shit. He could do the open chords and all that. But just basically because he is playing guitar in that bridge too. I would just make that that guitar beefier and bring it up in the mix more and just get rid of that awful fucking synth and then i would be yeah if you can't tell i really like this song minus the synth parts because again which you know what and even take angels and airwaves out of it i'm not a big synth guy most bands that i can think of became worse when they added synth like even pop punk like i like like the wonder years got so much better when they got rid of synth Four years strong for the most part, and I might get shit about that. I know, I know, a lot of people like them with synth. I kind of like them better without synth. Like I, I'm not a guy like I, certain things. Synth is fine for, but like, and here's the other thing: I love Blink 182, but we can all agree we've said a hundred times they are not virtuosos at their instruments. And I don't feel like Tom is the greatest synth player in the world. So a lot of times when it's in these songs. It just feels like it's kind of somewhat like even now, like still, even though he's been playing synth for years, 
it just feels like someone who's like in the studio with their band, like a pop punk band who's in the studio and there's a fucking moog in there or something and they just start playing around with it and it's like this guy doesn't really know what the fuck he's doing but they're just going to throw down the songs because it's there like i still get that feeling a lot of times with the synth on blink songs i go it's like mark or tom who neither i feel like are that great at the instrument like going in and it's just kind of like it's just not great where maybe it would be better if they had even like a studio musician come in and do it every now and then tastefully on certain songs. Cause even going back, I think we've discussed this on here. There's fucking organ on a bunch of old blink songs. Listen to like, damn it. There's definitely organ at the, at the end of that. Like there's, they, they would do that to like layer it like production wise. Like it's a, it's kind of just a thing to make it sound better on the recordings. But as far as synth as a, like an instrument or to like replace guitar or anything like that, I just in blink songs, I just don't think it works. I I'm not a fan. Like like if you use it like you do on always, like that's fine. Like always, that's very tasteful. Like where it is in there. Like there's times where it works, but uh yeah, for the most part, I'm just if you can't tell, I'm not a fan. Keep the synth in Ava. That that's that's all I can say is like keep your keyboards, do all the shit you want, do all the spacey stuff you want in Angels and Airwaves, but I'm like, I just don't care for it much in blink. But enough about me bitching about the synths. Um, I mean, what else on this song? I mean, I mean, as we probably uh, go on, I mean, I would love, I will say, I would love to hear this song live. I did think about that a lot listening to this EP. A lot of songs I would love to hear live on this. And I know they did play one or two. There's YouTube videos, but I mean, I would have loved to see Mark, Tom, and Travis in front of me playing these songs. I would not have been mad if they would have opened a show with this at all. This would be a good set opener. I do have the songs documented on my list of which ones they played live. Okay, so can we, I guess which ones? Can I guess? Yeah, let's hear Zach's guess. Uh, I know they played Dogs Eating Dogs. I think they played Disaster, and I know they played Boxing Day. Well, you just won the ten dollar prize, my friend. God Hell, damn, am dude! I right? they, they played the th- three best songs off the CP. <laughs> ah, Zach, but you're like, not a Joser. That means you're not a Joser. So when I heard, <laughs> when, when I figured out what songs they were playing, uh, I initially thought, "What the hell are they doing? Why aren't they playing?" When I was young, yeah, what the That's fuck what is I wrong thought. with them? And again, only yeah. one person loved it. <laughs> Me, <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. which is funny because, like, as I'm as I'm I saying, I. The funniest thing is, like, as I said, I like this song. Like, the first words yeah. out of my mouth as we're starting, like, you know, this fucking intro sounds too much like Angels and Airwaves. I like this song, but this, this, and this is what's wrong with it. Oh, like I said <laughs> at the top of this, I love this EP. I'm just very critical of it because I know what could have been for the next album. See, that makes me happy because then I don't, I don't feel like such a dick. I feel the same way. Yeah. Like, my biggest pain, and we'll get into it more at the end, but just that where you go, what could have been next? Bands always, exactly. I mean, you do that with almost every band when they break up and you're like, what would they have done next? But it's like this again, and then we'll move on to the next song. But like like another thing I've written down, and, and Kyle, I think you said earlier, this kind of reminds you of Ghost on the Dance Floor a little bit, right? You said it kind of. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I had this written down and I forgot about it. I wish I would have talked about it earlier. But I wrote down a more realized, thought-out version of Ghost on the Dance Floor probably would have heard more songs like this on neighborhoods if they wrote together. So like again, Bingo. yeah, like I think this EP in so many ways that's it, it's like 
They give us neighborhoods, which is okay, but it's not amazing. And then they give you a taste of what they're really capable of. Because if you had your doubts after neighborhoods, this is them coming back with five songs going, nah, motherfuckers, we still have it. But then all of a sudden, you don't get anything after that. Like, it's the, yeah. it's the worst thing. It's like, look at what we're capable of, and then we do nothing with it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I think uh, that it, you're, you're comparing it to Ghost on the Dance Floor similarly because it has, like, heavy synth parts. But I, and I know they're both, like, Tom DeLonge tracks, but I really think that, like, it – there's a clarity that like neighborhoods didn't have. And then that parts of this EP also don't have. And it was like, Hey, we can sound like, like the best parts of our band, like not take, not the same parts, but like (laughs) everything else, like the right, the writing, the, I, the guitar chorus chords like everything I feel like this had a clarity that like wasn't like neighborhoods or like angels in airwaves or plus 44 or anything I just felt like when I heard this song I was like oh thank god they totally fixed what they did on neighborhoods and I think that this song could bring Blink-182 back to Top 40 radio. That was my initial thought. So now... Kind of, that's how, like, strongly exa- I feel about that. You almost said exactly what Anthony said, but way more thought out. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> he does what you do, I just, Kyle, with the analogies. I song. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like the song. I just knew there was... Th- this song was great potential for how the rest of the EP was going to be. It's yeah, just, for sure. Again, I, I just have little things because and before we I, fucking I knew where the potential was. Now, now Zach has me thinking though of something else. That I do want to bring up though when he was talking about how special this is, and how good it is. This is part of my problem with New Blink. They're trying too hard to be what they once were. Where they tried to do like look at look at like the cringeworthy songs on like California to me are songs like Sober and some of those ones were like kind of like a party song or this and that. I hate sober. When, but well, like, that's because Patrick Stump helped write it. Oh, he did. I no didn't know way. that. I love yeah. Patrick Stump. Though. Yeah, he helped write sober. Okay, well, which that makes sucks, sense because if I it's a Patrick pop Stump. song, it has potential to be a huge pop song. It doesn't mean I like it, but I totally could see where he would write that. It's like, oh yeah, I could see us being on the radio. I don't want Blink One Eighty Two. Rec- no band that I like, I want to hear recorded. It's a shitty song, but I totally get it being big. But like the thing with like when I was young. This is a band. This is not Blink trying to rewrite Dude Ranch. This is dudes who are in their like early 40s at this point writing pop punk at age 40. Not not the regression that they've kind of done now working with John Feldman and they're trying to like, you know what I mean? It's from a different perspective. Like with Californian shit, they're still trying to write like they're 20 something. On this, it's like looking back at your life. You know what I mean? Like it's mature yeah. at like where they were and it's more sincere to me. That's more how Mark and Tom would write present day than how the fuck they write with like, like hits. I mean, it's like with Weezer where like Rivers Cuomo wrote their best records by himself as a sole songwriter. And now he brings in all these people to write this shit. And it's like, well, now you're trying to write like you're young and you're missing the point of what made you good in the beginning. And it just like destroys everything. So again, this is going back to the potential 
what they had and, I mean, what you get when they work together too. This is also – because look at Ghosts on the Dance Floor, which I like that song actually. And I think that guitar is really innovative for Tom. Like some of the shit he plays on that is very different for him. Um, credit credit to him on that. But, again, it is a more realized version because Ghosts on the Dance Floor is what – an intro sounds like when Blink does it from different studios. And when I was young is what it what an intro sounds like when Blink are sitting down and writing together. Because I forget, too, they had a while to write on this. Like, I was looking. I think they worked in the studio together maybe a whole month, if not a whole month, at least a few weeks, I think. Like, they really fucking, like, sat in a studio and the three of them wrote. You know, like, like it is, it is obvious. Like, anyone who sits there... And says, because at first when Neighborhoods came out and people bitched about it, because I liked it when it came out, but when people bitched about it because they weren't writing in the same studio and stuff, I was like, oh, what are you guys talking about? Now, years later, I can 100% say I'm with everyone else. They needed to write together. This is a band who they need to be in a studio together. Some bands can do it by themselves. There are, I have heard albums that sound good when people do it remotely and send shit back and forth. It can be done, but for Blink-182, the three of them need to be in a studio. Like, that. this this EP is proof of that. The three of them need to be writing together. Yeah, without a doubt. But, uh, I mean, you guys, uh, any any other closing remarks to that, or shall we go on to uh, Dogs Eating Dogs? I'm ready to move on. Ready to move on. Now, <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you guys start on this one, but all I want to say is the first song on this album starts off very Angels and Airwaves-like, this song starts off very plus 44-like. The intro to this to me, yes, oh, yeah. I think the intro oh, yeah. to this sounds like a fucking, like, if when I was young, see, I'm equal opportunity here. I'm going to go for both. When I was young starts off really, really, really a lot like an Angels and Airwaves song. Dogs Eating Dogs starts off very, very much like a plus 44 song, 100%. But I'll let you guys lead the start of this. I mean, like, and I can't remember which whose favorite songs are off this. Zach, I think I remember. No, maybe not. So was this either of your favorite songs? No. No? Okay. No, When I Was Young was my favorite song. <laughs> okay, that was your favorite. Oh, okay. God, no wonder you were defending it so much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How do you feel about this, uh, Zach? You, you want to like start it? How do you feel about dogs eating dogs? Well, I'll tell you, I don't think it sounds like plus 44. And, like, I think, again, some of Tom's guitar work, I think this was one of the moments where Mark was like, hey, yeah, none of that tremolo flange shit. (laughs) He was probably like, get a good distortion tone going and uh, let's just roll with it. And, like, it's not like a heavy distortion, but there's still a good amount of gain on his guitar. And it's like, He's doing some like open chords, which just sound really big. It's kind of gain. It's kind of bad religiony because it's not as like the songs. It's not yeah, it's not that clean. It has distortion. But I mean, it. even his guitar on it, like what he's playing, because like it's not even like it's not totally out of Tom DeLonge realm. But it's like it's not even like his like normal riffing or anything. It's a really interesting no, kind of it, like it's different yeah. for him. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. what you would really normally hear Tom yeah. play. Yeah, I have a theory on that. Okay. That Let's hear it, I dude. I think this is primarily a Mark-written song. I could see that, that. This is just one of those Mark primarily wrote the song, and then Tom added some of his elements. This is one of these songs where I feel like Mark, like his hands were like on the guitar 
at least during like the the idea sessioning of this. This song that's does have the most mark on it of the whole EP. I would say why, this song yeah. has the most mark vibe. Oh, not just the most marked vibe, but like this is like <laughs> this is all this is the main song. This is the main song he sings on because if you look at all the rest, he either only does little one liners or he's almost not on it at all. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. So this is like his baby on the EP. So the reason why in my head it's not a typical Tom DeLong riff because it's not his riff at all. It's Mark's that Tom just ended up probably playing on the record. But it was Mark's idea. That make that makes total sense because it really is. It doesn't sound to me at all like something. And actually, to go further with that, there are a few. And off the top of my head, I can't even think of the title, so I'm not going to try to remember. But I know there's at least a few post Tom Blink songs where the guitar is similar to that. Where I go, I think you're totally even that fucking quarantine song they did. I know it's short, but like the guitar in that kind of reminded me. I thought of like the kind of the guitar playing like in this, where maybe that is like Mark's like writing. Like there are a few songs that are like, oh fuck, maybe that is. And I always forget that because I never think of them as writing other shit in the band, but I forget they all write different stuff. Because wasn't mm-hmm. actually wasn't it? Was it Mark who wrote the damn it riff, or am I making yeah. that up? No, he did write it. He made. I thought he came up with the chord progression. Okay, maybe it was that. I think, and maybe it's not even damn it, but there is a song where. It I, is damn it. Okay, it is uh, that where he wrote I, I, I more know, than I, I know that thought. Tom Tom said that he came up with the damn it chord progression for sure. I do know that. I don't know about the riff, but uh, he did say he said chord progression, but I'm not for sure. I'm not. I'm just trying to share what I pertained. Yeah. <laughs> Which fuck? I don't know if we can. That's not fair if it is chord progression because honestly, that that chord progression I call the Blink One Eight Two chord progression because they use it in all of their fucking big songs. Yeah, well, maybe Mark came up with that, and, like, it's just... Uh, no, he didn't. That's an extremely popular chord progression. It's a great yeah. fucking chord progression, but they use it so much that I call it the Blink-182 chord progression. Yeah, the, it's, like, pop rock, like, 4-4 It's, four, four it's root... Like all I think it's root 5-6-4, if I'm thinking of it correctly. Um, that only means anything to you if you know music theory, but... I think it's fucking I root. I think <laughs> it goes to root to the perfect fifth to the sixth to the fourth. <laughs> but anyway, sure. <laughs> it's, okay. Hey, you guys, you guys, it's okay because Tom and Mark are confused at what I'm saying right now. The people who wrote that don't <laughs> okay, know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't know what the fuck I meant if I said it to them. So don't feel bad. <laughs> I will have to say though, he's doing like uh in Dogs Eating Dogs, he's doing like variations of like an open A chord and where he's using his pinky to add extra notes on it. Oh, is that what that sound is? Cool. That dun 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 dun. Yeah, that, I literally yeah, learned a, that riff. It's an A chord. That's I, I learned cool. that riff thirty minutes before this podcast started. Oh, sick. Mother f- yeah. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> he's playing guitar. Hell, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we need to get your ass an amp. You need to fucking a big ass a big ass amp in there so you can play these as samples. I got I got a little like one by eight. <laughs> Go get that fucker. You're gonna start. That's all you're, you need. That's all you need. You're gonna you start play playing gigs with one twelves these days, man. You don't. I mean, well, now we're just. I won't go down the road because then it's just gonna become yeah, gear talk. Yeah. But basically, yeah, no. yeah. Unless you play an arena, you don't need big fucking cabs. You really yeah. don't. Unless you're playing to 50,000 people, it's just stupid. But anyway, yeah. anyway, yeah, this song, this song. Getting back to this song, 
and something I've written down going back to like with when I was young where, where we were kind of saying it's more like a thought out ghost on the dance floor once they write together. What this reminds me of is Hearts All Gone when they write together. It's another one where if I look at neighborhoods and I take a oh. song off that and I go, this is them going down that route more where they go, hey, we had half a good idea on neighborhoods. What if we actually tried to do it better on this one? You know what I mean? Like kind of goes down with that. Same with when I was young, what goes on the dance floor. I think this is another one where it's that fast. Like it, it's the same way where I think they started doing it like that, where it's a fast blink song that starts off that sounds kind of minor and then goes more major in the uh, choruses. And it's like, you know, really fast, even fast for like, you know, I mean, blink, blink tends to be fast, but like one of those, like even for blink, pretty fast songs, like, this real kind of thing that I think they started with on Hearts All Gone that I think they continued with on this. I think this song is very similar to that, which I think that's one of the best songs on uh, Neighborhood. So, like, not a bad mm-hmm. thing. But, again, mm-hmm. it's it's, yeah. it's the embracing of, like, the bad religion side of it, too, which I know they've always been influenced by him, but that, like, like, a punk song in my, you know, like, instead of just all major chords, you do play with going from minor to major and, like, just doing different shit for him. And actually, you know, another thing, even though this is a fast, like aggressive song, Tom does really good. What you guys are talking about that open chord shit. He does like in the, in the choruses, there's those times where he just holds the note, like yeah. a lot of, and it works really well. Like I will give him credit on this. I think this may be, I will kind of take half take back what I said earlier when I said, I don't like when he does that. This is an instance where it does work. I will give him wow, this one. Dude. No, dude, no, I take it back. You just want to hit on when I was young. I think it doesn't work here. <laughs> oh, really? really? Oh, wow. I think, God I damn, think dude. Should be he- I think that there should be heavier chugs. And, like, this is a fast oh, song. That. I think that his guitar is, like, lighter on this song, and it doesn't need to be. I mean, that, wow. you're right, but I wouldn't mind that for the whole EP. The whole, his guitar tone... Yeah, I'm, but dial it back on Disaster Box and name Pretty Little Girl, fine. But I think that yeah. Dogs Eating Dogs needed heavy distortion, too, and it lacked it. Okay, but can I also say, though, Pretty Little Girl, for the most part, in those choruses, I don't think it would be bad to have Loud Beefy fucking, like, erect a fire and, like, a 900 like that he used to sick. have. Yeah, like, I don't think it would hurt for him to do that on those songs. Like, that's where – now. now, here's something that I will say. Tom, I feel like, uses a similar rig – in Angels and Airwaves that he does with Blink now, which the problem with that, well, not now, I guess, considering he's not been in the band for like six or seven years at this point, but when he was back in Blink, I feel like he was using shit too similar similar to what he was in Ava, where it's like, dude, they're, they're two different things. Like, use Vox, use that stuff for Ava, but like when you're doing Blink, like, use some more distortion. Like, use... Use some different shit. Leaves the leave the synths behind. Leave them with David Kennedy. Like fucking like just come in and and use. Which again, now I'm sounding like those people who used to tell him to fucking put on a backwards Atticus cap and like you know put his lip ring back in. And I don't mean it like that. Like you don't have to regress totally, but it's like 100%. I think he could like use a better rig with just louder, more distorted guitar. In a blink, and you know the other thing too, and I could be wrong, Zach. I feel like you of any of us would know this best. I feel like you started using more pedals once they got back together, which is something you didn't do before. But like, I think he even uses like distortion pedals and shit live 
Whereas before, I don't think he really did. His tone was just coming out of the heads. Yeah, all I know is that, like, I did read an article once that was, like, early, like, kind of enema, take off your pants and jacket, Tom DeLong era, uh, where he was like, yeah, I pretty much don't mess with effects pedals. Like, I don't touch those things at all. And then, like, it was, like, eight years later, he was, like, an Angels and Airwaves <laughs> or something, and he was like, oh, like, gloating about all this fucking super expensive like pedals that he has like hundred thousands of and like it's just like bro what it's funny you say that because and maybe it's the same one but there's this old ass one he did for like i think guitar center i think that might have been it was it like on an old ass it's like on a weird old page from like the year 2000 it's an old ass website and shit but yeah it's from that era and yeah i forget his quotes but it was hilarious like he was talking shit on penalties like fuck no like He's totally not pedals and stuff at all. And you're right. Then all of a sudden it changes and it's like, he fucking like loves pedals. Yeah. It was his thought process was like, once he like transitioned over to like, you know, once he heard you two for the first time, once he, once he learned what a delay pedal was. Yeah. Like if like he says it somewhere during like, we don't need a whisper era or like maybe even I empire where he started saying like, you know, messing with effects obviously opens up a completely different sound style and you can start landscaping songs better which is something that he didn't really care for or that he didn't really know of at the time because with punk rock music you don't really need much like if anything the only pedals he probably would have used besides like a channel selector would have been probably like a tuner and like a compression pedal yeah you don't really need much in like the era of punk rock but when you start messing with like more open sounds and like, you know, different like, you know, tone frequencies, messing with pedals is like one of the most fun things to do. And I used to be the same way, not because of Tom, but like I used to not care about pedals. And then once I got like a delay pedal and like uh, this cool, like digital, like compression pedal, it sounded really cool. I and feel it. Cool like, I mean, there... but yeah. It, there's a time and place for pedals too. Like, like I mean, I, yeah, I fucking play with pedals, but again, it's it's like I don't mind that he gets into them for like angels and airwaves. Like, totally. Like, there's genres where it makes total sense, but like in Blink, and maybe it's me. Just maybe I am wanting them to regress. Maybe I do want them in a well. I guess because at the same time, I don't want them to keep doing the shit they're doing now, trying to rewrite like Enema and stuff. But like, I just feel like that's where he fucks himself because. I do think when he got back with Blink, he was using like even distortion pedals and shit where it's like, dude, like use your old fucking rig, like use the old stuff because also you're playing those songs anyways. Like why not use it if you're playing What's My Age Again and like all those old songs, like why not use that stuff? And again, I think it would, I think it would help on here. Like I don't, I can't think of a Blink song on Neighborhoods or Dogs Eating Dogs. I mean, maybe some of the more spacey ones. Like, disaster, yeah, I don't think he needs big, loud fucking, like, I don't think he needs the enema tone on, like, disaster. But there's songs where, like, on this one, oh, I don't think that would hurt at all. Like, use your old rig. Like, use that old shit. Or use a Les Paul or, like, like even some of some of that stuff that, like, you know, he, he would randomly use from time to, actually, that's going way back that he fucking used on, like, uh, Dude Ranch and stuff. But, like, yeah. use, use some of that stuff on there. I think it would... uh work a lot better but i mean that's also personal preference i also think even getting more nitpicky i think there's times where mark's bass tone 
on uh, neighborhoods and dogs eating dogs, there's too much gain. Like it's too dirty of a bass tone. Not all songs, but there's some where I go, I don't like that. Like I like I like his older, just cleaner tone. Like I I think sometimes he he has his his gain too much. He's went back. Like I feel like on the Feldman shit because they're trying to do that older sound. He's went back to a cleaner bass tone. But funny enough, when they were like producing their own shit, neighborhoods and dogs eating dogs, I feel like yeah, he had his bass tone wasn't what it used to be. Like I used to love his bass tone. I don't really aim for the bass tone of uh, of uh, these ones. And I get it too because it's like I think he started doing it actually. Here's why Tom needs to go back to that. You know why he probably did it. Tom's not using his beefy guitar. So you start to you start to use that, you turn the gain up. Like when Newfound Glory went to just one guitar, Ian did that. He put more gain on his bass because now you have that extra space. You know what I mean? Like if you're taking a guitar out of a band or you're just not using such a heavy guitar, like, you know, with with a fucking rectifier and a nine hundred, um, yeah, like I, I do I think it's probably more of that if you think about it. Which, uh, and again, because Matt has a more, you know, a tone more uh, similar to like Tom's old tone, um, it would make sense he'd go back to a cleaner one. But again, that's getting nitpicky, I guess, when I'm like, I don't like the way, I think that guy's fucking gain is too high on his bass. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just being nitpicky. But uh, One thing I want to weigh in on this last thing, uh, I have seen uh, in super recent photos where Tom's always saying, uh, the new Angels and Airwaves album is going is produced by the guy who produced the Boxcar Racer album, and then I see pictures of him recording with Orange Combo amps. So I don't know. Yeah, oh, he shit. just made. A, he just had a recent post, and there's a very recent interview I was going to bring up way later uh, about the new AVA stuff. Oh shit! Oh, really? They, they could be trying to make it punk. Who knows? Um. How funny I'll would get, that? I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up later because we're we, we haven't talked about dogs eating dogs enough. <laughs> I, I think it would be so funny if Tom just wrote an Angels and Airwaves right just as a fuck you to Mark, Matt, and Travis. He just wrote like the Blink album that fans wanted, like all of us oh, have been yeah. waiting for. He couldn't do it by himself. <laughs> I, well, no. What if we all find out like David Kennedy can sing just like fucking Mark Hoppus? Like we didn't, or fucking the drummer. What's his name? The new uh, Ian. Is it Ian? I don't know. Alan. Alan, yeah, like yeah. we like Alan is like what a very talented session. Oh, artist. he's a fucking yes, amazing. He, he could, yeah. He could mimic Travis Barker and Mark Hoppus's playing styles and play it on top songs, but he doesn't. Like he's that talented, bro. He is a like he's kind of like when Sum 41 got that guy from the drum corps to like fill in for Steve Jocks. Oh, uh, yeah. he's like a very talented session musician he played with uh, uh Alon he played with phoenix tx for a while and i think he's the one who plays drums on that denver harbor record which uh i don't know if either of you have ever listened to but it's like a couple of dudes from phoenix tx after phoenix tx but the drumming on yeah, it's fucking me. insane sounds... it's fucking Dude, nuts and I, yeah i'll have send to they don't, they only have like what? one yeah. record and it rules but i think he's the drummer on it and it's goddamn amazing yeah, Denver yeah, Harbor, dude, they're great. I, I have nothing bad to say. I'm actually very no, he's a happy great drummer. that uh, he's in Angels and Airwaves because I think he's saving the band. Isn't Matt Rubano in it now too, or at least live? Yeah, yeah, no, and he plays bass pretty well. Uh, I saw him uh, play bass live. And, That's right, dude. He uh, he is 
he, I didn't realize he was some of my favorite parts on the Taking Back Sunday records. Oh, Rubano. fuck yeah. Yeah, you're great yeah, bass player like, on Taking Back Sunday. He He's an insane bassist. So, like, I think that the Angels and Airwaves lineup might be the strongest it's ever been currently. Well, that's because he has like, two, like, Berkeley fucking musicians with him now. Like, I think Matt <laughs> Rubano, both of them, I think, are literally Ber- we're both at Berkeley. And if not Berkeley, like another music stool school not music stool music school that is like comparable to berkeley like both of those guys are like fucking trained like classically tra- see they would know the poor chord progression they would know a route to a perfect fifth they would know what that means yeah they were they're very good and like uh i don't know who knows maybe i i actually I like some of the new Angels and Airwaves stuff. I actually think it's better than uh, the Love stuff or any uh, of the stuff uh, that like came after. I, I mean, I even kind of liked it a little more than uh, I Empire. Um, but um, I really just feel like he's just trying to go kind of back to like some like popular tones that the fans are kind of wanting and like i think he's using angels and airways as a platform for it and i i yeah no like he can try to sound like boxcar racer probably won't sound like what we want oh god no no (laughs) i don't uh, me and me we won't go down that road too much because me and fucking kyle talked all about that on on the boxcar racer episode but that is a band I don't need a reunion from. I want Tom to do a lot of things, but in 2021, I don't need him to ever try to record another Boxcar Racer album. Ever. <laughs> it would not be good. Yeah. It would just be a disaster. I mean, it's just, he's not the same person. It's nothing against them. It just would not be good. Yeah, no. Oh, we lost Kyle. <laughs> oh, no, no. I bet. Oh, here. wait, wait. Oh, your name your name was gone on here. Sorry, oh, no, I looked at I've been here the whole time. I've oh. just been quiet because well, no, it wasn't. I've, I've just been listening to you two riff. It wasn't even that. Okay, because I didn't hear you for a second, but I looked at my phone and all it says is Zach's name, and I'm like, yeah. oh fuck, Mark's at it again. We were talking about Angels and Airwaves for too long, and I yeah. thought Mark, uh, uh, you know, Mark <laughs> Mark was fucking jumping in. No, um, trying to reel it back just for just so i can get my input out on this song go ahead we man went so off the rails <laughs> no get us back on the rails um, Let, let's get back to the song uh, yeah no like i think dogs eating dogs in total like we've already said it has well you and i agree it has a very plus 44 vibe i think mark wrote i don't know how zach doesn't hear it strings. still Hmm? It doesn't no. sound it yes, sounds it does. like its it's, own thing i think no, no, it doesn't. dogs okay I mean, no, like, it, it I mean, sounds, it doesn't sound like a straight up, like it works. I don't feel like it feels yeah, no, out of place, but that song could also be a, on a plus 44 follow-up it, song. The whole fucking thing, the chord the progression, the tone. The, yeah, his vocal delivery, it's very more aggressive. It's, way, it's, it's plus 44 aggressive, not blink aggressive. Now, funny enough, though, can I say Tom vocally steals the song? I think Tom's vocal, I like the choruses more than I like the verses. Um, yeah, the, actually, I feel like this is a very good complimentary like song for both of them as far yeah, as like, it, delivery it, goes, including on the whole um, album. This is very much it, a like fifty fifty kind of it, song. Yeah, um, the 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 line in the the second verse, like where we need to find some middle ground, it's always sex or suicide. Is such like a 
I feel like that's one of the things that doesn't date this album like we kind of talked about earlier because that is such a fucking mindset of kids today a decade later that all i ever see online kids posting about sex or wanting to kill themselves and everyone's horny or they want to die and mark talked about it a decade prior and it's still relevant today and i hate that that's a mindset because it's so annoying and it's so cliche at this point but mark talked about it almost a decade ago um i like travis's I love Travis's drums on the bridge and Tom could have done more work on the verse guitar riffs just because he's hitting single notes and you can barely hear them again, just needs to pump up the volume on that. And they would have sounded great when he plays the song live. He does little single notes notes during the verse. Can't, can't even hear them. Did not. I haven't, I think I heard them on YouTube years ago, but it's been a long time. Do they sound shitty live? Like, does it not? Tra- no, they just you just don't really hear them, but but like does that take it away though? Because see, if I hear that, then I go it must sound empty. Because then at that point you have it does drums sound and bass because you think it's just driving bass, but they show Tom playing guitar and you like you, you can see that there's something there, just can't really hear it enough. <laughs> and again, just like we talked about on when I was young, there's something there. You just gotta. Gotta beef, beef that shit up, up just a little bit. Well, you know what's funny? That is a great line. That's always sex or suicide, but. What's funny about that is I agree that is wholehearted like that is a that is a really good line. Which going back to plus forty four, those are some of Mark's best lyrics are on plus forty four record on when your heart mm-hmm. stops beating. I think that's some of his best lyrics. The rest of the song, I think the lyrics are kind of cheesy. I don't think lyrically it's uh, which again I've said it a hundred times. Blink one eighty two are not the band I turn on to hear like thought provoking lyrics. Like they have relatable lyrics, but they don't write. Yeah. You know they're not deep, which is fine. They're not supposed to be. But uh, I don't know, this song, which that might be my problem with this song. The lyrics, I've heard Mark, I think, talk about this too. He did it on Neighborhoods kind of too where it's like almost a a writing exercise he does where he uses certain words or phrases. And I could be totally wrong, but I swear I, he like wrote this in a fucking blog post like years ago when the album came out. But like he wrote the same way on this. And I feel like it's him trying to write a deep song or like a song with some kind of message, but it turns out just kind of cheesy. Like that line, again, I really like that line, but most of the other lines that I hear throughout it, like just don't, I don't, I can't even think of the whole line, but the one about like burning down a chapel, I'm like, it's supposed, I know it's supposed to sound kind of deep or like good, but I'm like, it just doesn't work really well. They do, you mm-hmm. know what? They do it a couple times. There's like, uh, I, I'm thinking of like on board to death. There's a few lines where you can tell they're trying to be like metaphorical or deep with one, but it's just it just does not work. Something about it does not work. And I think on this one, I like again. I really I like this song, but I don't like it for the the lyrics are not what makes me like this song. I gotcha. I, I don't I don't like most of them. But again, I like I like the line you mentioned. I have to weigh in just because uh, bro, dude, bro, the way, and I, I know you guys are going to hate me for this. <laughs> the, the way when I was young makes me feel is like the lyrics specifically. It's like the whole message is, yeah, I fucked up some shit, but you know, and it was pretty bad, but we're going to make it through, you know? And like, it still has like a useful message, but in a, way that's not like 
went to the skateboard and cracked my knee open with yeah. Matt Skiba when we were 12. It's like, you guys didn't know each other when you were 12. It's like, the fuck? Yeah, that's you what know, I was like, saying earlier. That, that's, like the, that's like the lyrics now. And it's like, it just doesn't make sense. But when I was young, it's an honest, yeah, like a, an adult approach, as you were saying. You know what's lyrics. weird with them? And I mean, and this is me just just making big assumptions but I think the guys in and really more specifically like Mark, I'll throw it on Mark because at this point I don't know how much Travis has in lyric writing and shit, but like Mark almost needs to just admit and accept he is the age that he is and he is where he is in his life. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I feel like he's still trying to write in a way where it's like, you know, man, if you just tried to write a blink record as a 47 year old or as 48, how old he is. Just try to write it at that age like you did, like, not that long ago, like you did on Dogs Eating Dogs when you were fucking 40-something, like, not all that long ago. Like, just do the same thing, but quit trying to write like you're someone else or you're, like, a former version of yourself because it just doesn't work. Like, just write as Mark Hoppus. Like, we fucking love you. You're Mark Hoppus. Like, you're a hero to so many of us. Just write from the heart because that's the other thing. It's like... I don't feel like it's hard the shit to relate to. Yeah, well, it's not relatable. But do you also feel like he truly means most of the shit he's writing now? Like, what do you think means more to him? A song like "Baby Come On" or a song like "Fucking Sober"? Which one do you think meant more to him when he wrote it? Like, listen to the lyrics and shit. Like, one exactly. seems like it's a personal fucking event and like he's really writing something meaningful, and the other sounds like a dumbass fucking pop song. Like. Well, what can we pull out of it? I mean, it's basically like what he talks about for Take Off Your Pants and Jacket with First Date and Rock Show, where like they just both went home and pulled a hit out of there. They're like, what is the most simple, stupid fucking hit that we can write? What is the what is the most at its core just brainless, mindless songs we can bring the label? And it feels like the same thing. But instead of doing it for two songs, they like do it for whole albums now. Like, you know what I mean? Like instead of just writing a one or two filler songs, which as good as they are, that is literally what rock show and first date are. I mean, they've even said that they wrote them cause they uh-huh. needed hits. Like they wrote them in 15 seconds going back to fucking chord progressions, rock show chord progression. It's the most commonly used chord progression in all of music. Fucking root four or five. It's the simplest thing you can get to. You hear it in like every single song. It's as simple as you can get. And those songs are fine. But would Take Off Your Pants and Jacket be as good of an album if the entire album was just First Date and Rock Show? You know what I mean? Like, if every song was like that, basically. Like, it just wouldn't be as good. And, uh, yeah, like, I I think the same thing with Blink Now. It's like, Mark just... And same with Matt. Matt writes fucking Alkaline Trio, still writes great records. I love their... Their fucking Is This Thing Cursed, I think, is great. Like, Matt's songs are amazing on it. Like, he can still write Alkaline Trio songs. Like, just write, like, your normal-ass self. Quit trying to write like someone else and you get better. You know, I feel like you just get a better product, but I, I'll get off. I'll get off my fucking high horse here. Someone else jump in. Save me. I liked Kyle's standout lyric, though, and I do. That I, is a good lyric. I don't think that all these lyrics are cheesy on Dogs Eating Dogs, a song. Um, I actually, you know. It might be my favorite Mark song on this record. Where it's his only song. <laughs> well, I mean. I was just thinking that. Because what, what, what does he say on the other songs? Disaster. Does disaster. It, yeah. Is that your. And uh, uh, it, it doesn't hurt that much. 
He doesn't sing then, on Boxing Day? Yeah. He sings the chorus, right? Yeah. You left me on the day after Christmas. Yeah. Really, when you yeah, think it about just, it, it, it is, is kind of Tom, Tom heavy. heavy. It is, and you don't realize it until you really start picking it apart, and you go, holy fuck, Tom was on this a lot. But again, credit. Well, that was even, so the thing was, like, when there was all that beef coming out, he was, like, uh, saying, like, they were really pushing me because I was, like, pressed for time. I have all these things i want to do talk to fucking government officials and chase on aliens but also record music for multiple bands and uh write books and all this shit like he's fucking like all over the map mod life he's like yeah and then but he was like i invited them down to my house because they recorded this at tom's house i believe yeah i think it never pants uh, ranch yeah and uh he's like i invited them down to my house and like we brought what we had to the table and like he said I had majority of the music and like that's what we did. And he even like he he acknowledged it. Like we I but you know what to his credit for as much as he is on this there are moments once again that do that are kind of AV but for the most part he doesn't let that bleed in too much. You know what I mean? Like I agree. I think be, it's a tasteful amount. Yeah, well, for the most part, because when we get to the next song, which I can I can already tell we're all going to have very different viewpoints on the net, which we get to in a minute. But uh, for the most part, yeah, not too much. Like, you know, you hear the synth and shit. But again, at some point, I even realize this when I bring up, oh, it sounds too much like Plus 44. It sounds too much like Angels and Airwaves. Well, yeah, because they wrote those fucking albums. Like, of course, you know, so like to some degree, you do I do have to give them some leeway because it's like I can't. You know, Tom DeLonge also should be allowed to use synth and other things and me not go anytime the man touches a fucking keyboard, I go, he's doing angels and airwaves, you know, so it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like I got to be fair. I can't like not fucking again. Of course, he, of course, he's going to do that. Like, you know, I can't be like that with everything. But like, yeah, like there, there's times where I'm like, OK, you could have taken this off. But again, you know, the other thing, these records they did have the one dude in who I knew who I know works with them to kind of like set like help co-produce this. But for the most part, this this in neighborhoods were very much self-produced. Like a little help, but not much. And when that happens, I think that's also where you get that much. Where like I think a producer would be good for them, someone to sit in there with them, and not the dude who produced with them, because he's like he's a guy who I think works with Travis a lot. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But they need someone to go in who – that's why I think like when they were talking about doing a record with Bill Stevenson, Bill Stevenson would be great because I could see him point blank going in going, what the fuck is up with all these like synths and stuff? Like he would go in. He would do that to them. Like he would go in and go, this sounds too much like your other bands. Like this would this would not – he would not allow certain things I think that they, they allowed because they self-produced because you also need that because here's the other thing. When you're trying to make a band work and you're self-producing, how many times as a band can you start yelling at one of the like you know what I mean? Like if Tom is doing too much synth, yes, you can butt in and go, hey, Mark can be like, there's too much synth. But after a while, he's also your bandmate, and that becomes tension. You know what I mean? Like after a while, it's like we have to make this work, and everyone has to get what they want. So I think you also need a producer in there in that realm where they can go, no, like he can play the bad guy. You know what I mean? Not your bandmate. But someone else can play the bad guy and go, this sounds too much like Angels and Airwaves, or this is getting too experimental. 
You know, like so here's the thing. I want to weigh in. I, Mark ahead, Hoppus dog. loves. No one talks about this, but Mark Hoppus loves synth, maybe just as much as Tom. He does. He's just using a different kind of synth. Mm-hmm. Like Angels and Airwaves, we don't need to whisper and uh, plus 44 when your heart stops speeding are very. It was more very tasteful, both though, on. Synth heavy. Yeah, but on oh, When Your Heart dude. Stops Beating, it's more tasteful. I don't know, man. It's all in your face. It's very yeah. front-facing, and like one fifty-five is just like like bleeds through yep. your speakers, and and like Weatherman is just like huge, dude. They're just. Well, I actually think of synth more. I think of like plus forty-four is like a a synth like like eighties modern progressive like alt rock rock band, and the like, kind of airways. As like, yeah, but like they're both. Mark Hoppus is just as synth heavy. So when people are like, Tom DeLong owns the synth and he ruined the song with synth, it's like, bro, maybe Mark Hoppus wanted synth on it. You know? Like, oh, I'm sure some of it's synth. Mark too, but it's yeah. terrible either way. Yeah. I I don't know. I just wanted to weigh in like. I, I think plus forty four is a huge, or when your heart stops beating is very synth heavy too, and I love it. I like some of my friends like that's their favorite record out of the whole like Blink related family catalog, and I it, it's good. But Mark Hoppus loves synth just as much, man. <laughs> fair enough. Well, fair enough. Well, yeah, I I actually have stuff to say about that for disaster actually. Do you guys want to move into? Oh wait, you said before disaster. No, this it's disaster. Oh fuck yeah! Okay, okay so sick. you guys, you guys want to move into disaster? Yeah, Let's fucking uh, do it. I'm gonna. I want to take the lead on this one because this was the my song on the top five Blink One Eighty okay. Two. Oh, dude, take it away. And I, I and on that episode, if you listen to it back, I don't actually say anything about the song that Zach didn't already say about when I was young. And because we all kind of just said, you know, this EP is pretty much better than Neighborhoods and this and that. We kind of just danced around those concepts without really getting into the actual songs themselves. Zach went more detail on when I was young on that episode where I didn't really say anything about disaster. I just kind of followed what he said as far as like the the talking points. Um, But like, I think this song is the perfect blend of mark tom and travis and this is like the most pure blink song on this ep when it comes to blending both their new styles and kind of old styles all into one song where it's like you think of like the beginning of this song and it's just kind of like that droney bass line yeah uh-huh. and then the drums kind of fill in and then tom comes in with that delay riff and you hear all like you hear the two facets of like these separate bands really blending together. And what I feel is like an actual, like, like good quality, like sound. And then as soon as uh, the music really kicks in for the verses and the choruses, it's one of my favorite vocal splits where, you know, Tom sings a line and then Mark just has that little, he just has like little lines that fill in with like, you know, the disaster, disaster. And then Tom kind of goes on. And it's it's it, in in my opinion, this is Tom's best vocal performance. Not when I was young. This is the song, in my opinion. It's just a little bit more attack. It's got Hell a no. little bit more life <laughs> to it. 
Um, that's how I feel about it. Obviously, we're all going to have different opinions, but that's how I feel I'm about just it. <laughs> and, uh, and I love how in the first chorus, they kind of tease the chorus because that first chorus is just two lines. And then when the second chorus comes in, it's way more filled out with more lyrics. And I love that little tease of like, oh, shit, that's that's what the chorus is. It's just two lines. Oh, crap. It's even more. And it's bigger. And it's I, I think this song is just a complete blink song that messages that meshes everything that they've done prior uh, to the split, what they've done in the split and the comeback. This is like the perfect song shit uh zach how do you how do you feel about this song kyle just convinced me that i like disaster more than dogs eating dogs <laughs> god damn he we did to like, you what he did to insomniac with me yes <laughs> oh dude but insomniac is the best green day record i know so this now i truly yeah no dude, i did not know this answer. until you should have known this before oh no 100 percent. Um, kyle gets you can literally you can hear me in real time on a fucking yep. podcast change my opinion on fucking Green Day. Like, 100% Kyle gets all the credit in the universe. I never, my Joes or ass did not think that was their best record until we fucking talked about for four hours. And then he convinced yeah, me. Disaster just kind of has like a droney kind of, like, sense about it it just kind of has like a fuzzy kind of gamey distortion in a way that isn't familiar but it works it, it like you kind of brought up uh with like some of those plus 44 songs weatherman and 155 some that, of my that, favorites that, that droney baseline in the beginning reminds me very much of kind of that plus 44 like really low dark vibe and then yeah, as it builds yeah. up and you get that Tom DeLay riff, like kind of pumping in. And like at first, when I first heard this, I'm like, ah, that doesn't really work. And then the more I listen to it, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, definitely now I, I will say first for the song, I do think it's interesting in the sense that it is experimental and like different for them. Like I don't I, I do think they went and actually like really actually got experimental like not not just threw a synth on top of a pop punk song but like actually did fuck around with stuff and really play with it with that said i and this is only recently i this song was fine for me i liked it when it came out but to be honest when i started listening to this ep again before doing this episode this to me is the weak link on the record i for one they could take this off the ep and i think i would actually maybe be happier and again, it's experimental, but in a way where I'm like, it do, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. It, in, a, in, a, in a lot of ways, this song to me feels like a couple different song ideas thrown into one. Like that's kind to be completely honest, I, I hate to shit on it too much because oh. I forgot it was your favorite song on here. But like, oh shit on it the way. This there. is only <laughs> recently too. I'd never, I never really had this thought before. But like when I no, started, I like it. it's a good song. When I started listening back to the EP though for this episode, I was like, I started listening and it didn't, it didn't like, uh, like hit me until I really did. I'm like, I don't like Mark's voice. I for one, I think it's too that I think is too high in the mix. I think his bass, I like where it's low in there. I think his voice is too high, and I feel like it's half-hearted. This is where I'll uh, people always complain about Tom's vocal deliveries. I'm going to complain about Mark's in this one. 
the way Mark does it is very – he almost sounds like he's having a stroke. It doesn't – it just doesn't Holy sound – Holy shit. <laughs> like, oh like, no, but it just – like, it's just half-hearted – it's just as ha- – and not even in the same way that Tim Armstrong was during Cat Like Thieves. Yeah, but, I was going to say, you're comparing him to Tim Armstrong I know. Right no, and I did it. I forgot all about that when I was saying it. But I mean it just where, like, he sounds kind of half dead, and it's this cheesy, like, like it just isn't real enthusiasm. It's this re- – and I know it's cheesy because he's literally saying, like, disaster, disaster. But, like, the way he's saying everything, I don't – like, I feel like – most of the shit he contributes to this song are the things that I don't like about it, to be honest. Like, Tom is the better part of this song, I would say. It's so funny because, like, some of my favorite Mark songs are the ones where he's very low, like, vocal delivery. He should be in this and, one. He's up too and, high. And I, and I think, see, like, I don't think, I think he's in, like, in the right spot, in my opinion. And it's just, I, I guess I think part of the reason why I like that low vocal delivery on like some of these songs that he does, not just on the CP, but just in general, um, I can't sing very well. And that is a, a tone and a vocal range that I can sing along with and not feel like my throat's hurting after, you know, 45 seconds. Well, I'm not talking so I much think, his I vocal can... range though. I'm talking more just the mix of the song. Like I literally think in the mix, he should be lower, like, because he's supposed to be like backing vocals. I feel like in there, and he's well, like as really, loud as Tom is. Well, because if you think about it, like in the first, like in the like after the disaster, disaster intro, he only other has like two other lines, kind of, and they're in the verses, and it's in between Tom parts, and it's just like that fall in my arms again, and it, it's not really like in my see opinion, it should be really there. The vocal, it's just a complimentary thing. But see that. See now, what you just said though is exactly. I think when he's singing "Disaster, Disaster," it should be like at the same level as it is in that part where he's singing there, where it's I think, like lower. I think it is. I don't think it is. It's louder in the mix. Okay. And I'm not. To, and like you're right. Like vocal range is fine. Like I think range wise, no, he's fine there. And you're right with that. I'm a shit singer myself, and I feel like he has more of a range you can kind of like hit with like so i'm not complaining about that but like just where they have them in the song i gotcha. i don't okay. like it but the song itself too again it's like i i really feel like they had two or three ideas that they that were kind of thought out but weren't entirely thought out and they were all like thrown in here which is also why i think like i think the chorus isn't bad and like what what you were saying I do like it when you get the full chorus. Like they kind of do that thing where it, I, I guess it doesn't speed up, but like, yeah, I guess maybe it does speed up, but like in that second chorus and like it, it goes like, I think kind of minor. Um, I, I can't think of what he sings, but it's like, it's that whole, it's the last chorus. Actually. I don't think it's the second one. It's the very last chorus before the end. And they kind of add that part to it. Like that part I like enough. And uh, and Travis, Travis does Travis does some neat things on drums, I think, throughout it. But uh, again, like it's it's just too it's too experimental, but not in one way or another. I don't think actually, no. I guess I take that back. It's probably more Angels and Airwaves. It's probably too Ava like for me. I, I guess okay. I I guess I would say that because I was going to say it's experimental without being too much like plus forty four Angels and Airwaves. But I take that back entirely. <laughs> because it does kind of remind me very much of, of Angels and Airwaves. Right on. You know, and, and again, 
I get what they're going for, and I think they they actually execute it well. Like the beginning, like the whole bass thing, real low, and the build up and shit. Like I think they probably had an idea, and they probably got what they had there once they meshed all those parts together. But it's again, it, it's kind of like I I would not be sad if this was not on the EP. If this oh, e- if okay. if it wasn't on here, I wouldn't be sad if it didn't exist. This is like the one song. Actually, it may be fun live though. Just from the build-up, oh, yeah. it may be a fun song to hear live. Uh, th- one of the little like hash marks I have on the notes here is that they played this song live, and it's got a good live vibe. I could see that just because like this is one where I was saying before, like I didn't, I don't like the atmosphere and the space on some of the parts of like when I was young. On this song, I think some of those parts would complement well live. Like mm-hmm. even though I'm kind of bored listening to them just listening to the album if i was in a live setting i could totally see that including like a light show and shit like you know i i could totally see that being uh you know being fun which in, in their credit too same with angels and airwaves when you see them live there is an element to their music where when you add lights and like a fucking like show to it and a live atmosphere and stuff like yeah. the, it does add something to it where you're like oh this Definitely. music makes more sense you know, yeah, it's like it's a, it's a complete picture of just not just the music, but like the what what Tom would call the art of an Angels and Airways show. And it the has experience. to be in a certain place because, like, I feel like if it's like in a dive or something, you do, like it needs to be in a re, it needs to be somewhere where it can like the sound can bounce off the yeah. walls. It, it's like like even on Warped Tour, I know you saw them on Warped, and like it would be cool to see them, but I don't know that that their best time would be in the middle of the day in like a field like i feel like yeah. their best is like in a fucking arena somewhere yeah absolutely you know but yeah this song too this song i would definitely say in a fucking arena setting with a light show going on and shit like i would get pumped i, w- I would get yeah, pumped i don't think i'd be bummed if i heard it live yeah the couple of youtube videos that i saw it looks like it just had a good like, plus travis could lose his shit on it live like travis does have some cool drums on this song this yeah. would be he he could lose it on this one but I, I don't know. I don't have tons to say about the song because I don't no, love fine. it. So you dudes can kind of like – I feel like you can kind of keep steering it if you want, you know, like like with this song. Like, I mean, I'd love to hear For what sure. else you think about it. I'm down it. on this song. <laughs> You're over it? I, well, I just have a thought about the next song. I will say I did have written on this. Might like it if a minute shorter and more straightforward. But, again – that kind of defeats the purpose. I realize it's experimental, so I'm basically saying if you made this a more straightforward pop punk song, I would like it, but it's like it would be a totally different song at well, that point. What's so funny about that is that all these songs, like in order, go from shortest to longest. And disaster oh, is right in the middle. So like every song goes longer in length as you go in through the EP. Yeah, if this like I think this song I didn't realize that, but when I was looking at like the time of it, I think on iTunes that was like maybe three fifty, like maybe somewhere. Yeah, it's uh three minutes and forty two seconds. Okay, so like that's the thing. If this song was just a straightforward like two minute thirty second song, which obviously would mean you'd probably get rid of a lot of that intro and rework a lot of that like spacey shit. Like like same with the bridge because the bridge goes back and does that. So basically, that if you if you fit if you reworked the bridge in the intro and made it less fucking just out there and made it a little shorter 
um, you know, and just change some things about it, which again, you would change the whole identity basically, but I think I would like that song more. I'm basically saying sure. if, it was a, if it was a whole different song, I would like it more. <laughs> That's what I'm saying essentially. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anything else, Kyle? I guess I guess we've both kind of fucking shot our wad on disaster. <laughs> the only other thing I'd say would be like I can also see this song being the first song on the EP. You know, I could see that too. Even though I don't just like it, it, this could definitely just be an because album it's opener. got that intro build up. Yeah, I, I could, and you know what? It would be interesting for a blink opener because they've would be never just, really done that with bass. That would be yeah. really a lot of albums really don't open with bass, so that would be a very like interesting because it's not the same buildup that you have like on when I was young. Like this song really has a buildup, but in a different way, like yeah, in a way where you're pe- not expecting it. Yeah, they picked the right song to start this EP. But I could also see Disaster doing it as well, but on a completely different level, like vibe Oh, totally, 100%. So, so, like, they made the right choice, but it's just, you know. No, if that song didn't exist, though, Disaster, if if, if When I Was Young didn't exist, Disaster would definitely, um, I would say, of the other songs should yeah. be the uh, opener. But, uh, yeah, you guys want to go on now to uh, Boxing Day, which one of the first things I have written right away song way better than it probably should be because this song is really fucking good but if you actually listen to if i just told you now we've obviously i mean this ep now is like eight years old like this ep's been out for quite a while we know this song it was the first song that they premiered off off this i still remember hearing it for the first time and liking it the first time but again if i just told you a blink Rainy two song with like electronic drums or whatever the fuck that is acoustic guitars like it's a semi-holiday song like and i guess that's the other thing we have to get into it's i guess a canadian holiday song. yeah like that's the thing i don't i don't, it's this pseudo like i guess it's a holiday song in the sense that he brings up and it's the fucking canadian holiday and he also just kind of brings up day after christmas well no there there are bells and shit and even the chord that's the weirdest thing about it the chord progression the song itself has a Christmassy vibe, but the whole thing, like all of these things sound weird. None of this sounds like blink 182. And if you just explained it, I'd go, what the fuck is this? But again, when you hear it, this is like a highlight of the EP. In my opinion, like this is a really good fucking song. Like the intro is really good. The guitar, this is another one where I would be interested to know if Mark wrote it, the guitar is different for them. I mean, obviously acoustic, they don't play many songs, with acoustic guitar anyway, but like it's a different guitar part. I feel like for this them. is leading into what I wanted to say earlier. Oh, hell, like, do it, dude! In. Take take over, take over, bro. Okay, so like as we probably all know, Tom DeLonge probably uh, influenced our guitar styles growing up. That's um, why I'm so fucking bad at guitar. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, <man>. Tom. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Like, the three of us are all example. <laughs> We're all shining examples of it. Yeah, but like uh he he I can't really find any documentation of where he had used fingerstyle guitar playing in any Angels and Airwaves or Blink one eighty two prior to this song. Yeah. Fuck no, I can't I think heard, of any. Yeah, no, but like and like I like fingerstyle picking, but like the not in any kind of pop punk music have I ever heard like acoustic fingerstyle guitar. 
and Tom's along. And while it's not anything super complex, it's kind of like on the level where like I could even attempt maybe playing it because uh, I am no fingerstyle guitarist by any means. Um, but I thought it was a really good departure. And like uh, while he like influenced like active riffs and pick slides and you know all the fast power chords. I was like, like that meme. It's like, damn it, you son of a bitch, you got me again. <laughs> because like, I, I was just like, I was like, it, I, I don't know. I just felt very influenced by the guitar. I was like, and here's my complaint: where he does the fingerstyle riff, then when he starts singing, he does those like really high, uh, like up, like open chords with a capo or something. It's not octave chords, but it's like. He's playing open chords like really high up on the neck. If you ever, because they played that live, you can watch him. That play like, it. And, uh, yeah, I hate that. Like he should have kept. Yeah, he has to be playing that on the E stuff. string, right? The high E. He's doing that. I yeah, assume. I'm not even really for sure what he's playing because I never learned that song. But uh, he, uh, I really think that they should have uh, stuck with the fingerstyle intro and kept that rolling throughout the rest of the song. And Mark Hoppus even came in with bass during the verses or something. But, like, I think Tom kind of, like, didn't need to, like, throw those, like, high open chords in. Like, he really had something going with that fingerstyle guitar. But uh, he kind of shat on himself a little bit. <laughs> I, I think mm-hmm. there's, there's like, a formula. Why I think part of what makes a song really good is that it's a different thing for, like, it's a different, like, even vocal, like, melody for Tom. Like, Tom kind of sings in a different way than I feel like he normally would. He's playing guitar differently. Travis, I mean, he's playing pretty, uh, you know, he does a couple neat things. I assume he's playing like on a drum pad on it. That's, it doesn't sound like it's just a drum loop, but he's playing some kind of machine or pad, but he's playing pretty in the pocket and playing different for him. What I like about it is everything's different except for Mark's bass. Now on this, I feel like Mark goes back to kind of that, classic mark bass tone and actually even more than normal mark he has a nice deep bass tone on it like it's this real good deep round but also like he took the gain off of it basically like he took that fucking gain that i don't like that he puts on a lot of the newer shit and he plays more of a straightforward mark hoppus bass line so like what i think makes the song really good is everything else is pretty not is like going against the grain of what blink normally does but you have Mark keeping it down in a way where you don't expect it. Because normally when you do that in a song, like maybe the guitar or maybe it's the drums that are still kind of doing the traditional thing. But it, in this case, I feel like it's the bass that is like staying in this like blink territory that like keeps it so it never goes too weird and too like weird of a fucking direction. But like it all works really well. And I think I I feel like that's part of why. I feel like Tom and Travis are doing really different things and Mark is keeping I I feel like even Mark's choruses are kind of like very classic hoppus. Like I feel like Mark kind of is himself on there and the other two do different shit. And the reason they did that, however whatever reason they did that, really works fucking well, I think. Yeah, I I I have it written here and we kind of touched on it with all of this but like i feel like just on this ep and this song specifically has the best guitar work on the entire yes. ep yes i mean the rest of the songs there's not like a lot of like complex riffs or anything too crazy but 
not only does Boxing Day have a completely different vibe musically, but like like you said, Zach, the finger picking, like that's something we've never seen from Tom. And again, like you said, like you motherfucker, you you you, you <laughs> caught me again. And that yeah, that like really you were nice, inspired. It was like, a nice, I... refreshing like take, and that was something that we've never seen from him. So like hearing that was like, oh man, like this is cool. So like I can hear that riff a million times and never get tired of it. It just sounds so good. Well, the the other thing I want to bring up too on this that I have written down, the pop direction. This song is very poppy in a lot of ways. And this is Blink doing pop in the way in a successful way. Because like again, I'm I'm going back to shitting on new Blink, but the pop elements that they do on California and even and really on nine, I mean nine I don't even think I've ever listened to that whole album front to back. The songs I've oh, heard wow. off it is just them trying to do a fucking pop record, it seems like. And it just sounds fucking cheesy. With Boxing Day, they used elements of pop music. Once again, the drums, the even the acoustic guitar, even really that vocal melody is kind of poppy. You know what I mean? Like there's elements of it in there that sound like modern day pop that I feel like, which is funny because you don't really hear this song on the radio, even though I think it was premiered on K-Rock originally. I think it was the first yeah, place you, you could hear it. K-Rock or BBC? I, oh, yeah, maybe it was BBC. I know Up All Night was uh, actually K-Rock, yeah. like tons of their fucking songs throughout the years have been on K-Rock. But I think you're right. This one might have been BBC. But like besides that, I never heard it on the radio again, even though I feel like this song, which again, Maybe it's the whole thing that it's called Boxing Day, and because it, it is, it is weird because it's half holiday song, it's half not. They released it in December, so it's also why I think they this was the first song put out. Like, like you know what I mean? Like they almost went halfway in with a holiday song, but didn't go all the way in. Like I well, like maybe that's what why they shot themselves in the foot with the song. I don't know, but I feel like this could be well, like a big radio hit. Here's a great thing about this though is that like this song, I think we talked about this on the top five with uh, how this song originally wasn't this song. It's a joke it song. More, it was, it was joked as more of a, it was a joke song or whatever. Um, but another thing I just found out kind of doing the research on this, this was the last song added to the EP. Oh really? This song was added basically two months before the release. Oh shit. So either they had to take a song off or they just added this song on and so the song got released in December, and obviously that means about October-ish. They must have had the EP probably already done or close to it, and then this song became a thing, and it was the last one to be added. So and this- it was a jo- joke song. You know, Obviously, we all wondered like what it could have been, but we're glad it's this. I mean, I, I don't know what... I don't know what was in their mind to be like, let's do something really different. And, and it works. Like, I don't know how they were able to pull it off so well, but let me ask you, let me ask you this though. Like what's funny about the joke song thing is when I listen to it, I can hear where this could be the catalyst of a joke. Like, can you hear that? Cause even though the song sounds like, I mean, I don't think the music sounds cheesy or anything, but when they say it started as a joke song, when I listen to the way the music is and just the fact that they did kind of use like a drum pad and acoustic guitar and shit, I could see them really going in and making this like true, like a funny fucking song, like with the right like lyrics and shit. I feel I would love to hear what they were because that's what I assume they mean by joke song. Maybe they mean they were just fucking around 
and that's what came out of it. But I guess I always assume awesome. they meant like like a happy holidays, you bastard, or something. Yeah, because like yeah. obviously it's not the same, but like you know, it's like when you hear like the 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 guitar riff for fuck a dog. You yeah, know, really exactly. Kind of happy, picky note, like same way when you I fucked grandpa. See, I, I can see similarities there, but like I I almost am glad that I will probably never hear the potential of the joke song because I like this song so much. It almost like if they release like say years later, blink those, it's like, like filthy. Uh, they do they do those like unreleased demo track, you know, re-releases for a, a, an anniversary release when the band's like 80 years old. I've always and waited like for those for Blink. And if they did that and I heard the joke Boxing Day after <laughs> all that time, I'd almost be like, this sucks. <laughs> it's originally called Dog Fucking Day. Oh, man, that's tomorrow. But, that's but, my oh, no. birthday. It's Monday. That's just Monday. Yeah, yeah well, well, tomorrow is Mark's birthday. Oh, wait, wait, is it? Holy shit, you're right. And Wait, dude, enough, we did the last one my, on Tom's. Yeah, what's funny is tomorrow's Mark's birthday and my dad's birthday. Never oh, seen them shit. in the same room before. Oh, fuck, dude. And my sister's birthday. Well, no one cares about and we've I'm never. Kidding, I'm kidding. Well, wait, no, 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 Zach. Have you ever seen Mark Hoppus and your sister in the same room? I've never met any members of Blink, but it's on the list. What if Mark was just your sister... And just oh or no God. no what if your sister is just marking Dude, a wig? <laughs> I mean, Tom has the same birthday as my dad. I mean, let's God, let's, let's be real. Tom here. is your dad. Mark, Mark looks good in a wig. We've seen him in a wig before. Well, what, didn't it, Tom's well, December fifteenth or something? I think it's the four. Yeah, it's somewhere it's like. The, and I know Travis's is November fourteenth because it's the day yeah, after they, my it's birthday. A, it's, it's a thirteen, fourteen, fifteen thing with them. Oh shit! You're right. Uh, you know what? You know what <laughs> Tom should do tomorrow? Tom should cover. Actually, Angels and Airwaves should cover. No, it isn't, and release the cover yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> I know I've made I've made that joke like some variation of that every time we we talk about Blink on here. But again, yeah. I just think that would be uh, very funny. And the only sorry to kind of bring it back, but the only other thing I want to add about Boxing Day because it's so good and it's so dumb. On the bridge of that song, when they there's that little like wind like whoosh that they throw in. I don't I think, think I've like heard cool, that. Are you serious? Yeah, it's like 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 uh, where the piano is, right? Like at the yeah, the, there's a little piano, and then there's some lyrics, and then you hear a little, and I think that's the coolest sounding thing like ever. Wait, when <laughs> like, it goes silent so for a minute, when 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 Travis does that little fill where it's just yeah. the drums for like two seconds. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I know what you're talking about. That does. Sound, I just assumed that was his drum kit. I mean, it could be like a like a brush sweep. That yeah, that's what I of, thought. It was just something on that pad he was using. But it, but it sounds so cool. I think it. I think it adds so much to the song, and it's so little. See, it's shit like that's what I mean. Like they did the like really when you look at that song, it's very much a pop song. Like even just shit like that, like the bridge, like and that's the one song actually where piano works well. The piano on that, which it's not synth. Oh yeah. But that piano. And I think it's that little, it's that little tiny piano that Tom was using on uh, "We Don't Need a Whisper." Yeah, I think you're right. It has it. It almost sounds like a toy piano in a way. Like it has mm-hmm. that very like bright kind of playful. To it works really yeah. well. Like that's an example of them using keys the right way. But uh, like that song again, it's like they execute these these elements of pop music in a way where it's like 
if Mark tried doing that now with Blink, I think they would have better success. Like, honestly, like if they wanted, not that I think they should go that realm of doing more pop music, but it's like, if they're trying to do it, it's like, dude, emulate more of what you did on like Boxing Day. Like, do more like drum pad shit. Add more like acoustic guitar. Like, do some finger picking. Like, you know, do different things like that. Cause yeah, like this song really is so different from any, like, I just start thinking about it and I go, this song is so much better than it should be because yeah. really it's as ex- it is as different as an experimental, I would say is disaster just in a different way. But think about it. Like really it's, it's fairly left field for them. Just like, does it, like you really can't say there's another song that sounds like either of these. Like I can't think yeah, of another no. song that sounds anything like this. No, not at all. And sadly we'll never hear fucking, well, I don't know. Maybe they'll get back together. I will say actually, I I did write down. I wonder what this would sound like live with Skiba singing. I would. This was this is one I'd like to hear Skiba try singing. That would be interesting. Which I don't think they've done anything off Dogs Eating Dogs since Skiba's been in the band, as far as I no, know. I, zero, right? Yeah, no. I think the only song that they do um, with Skiba from like reunion era, like Up All was Night, Wishing right? Well. Oh, Wishing Well, well and, and, and Up All Night. Yeah, uh, Matt Skiba. There's videos or at least at least one but i'm pretty sure there's a couple where he said that he really likes playing wishing well and like they yeah that's so funny that's a good fucking song there's a video of them playing acoustically like in like outside of like a parking lot or something just jamming with like a handful of people oh like the vip fucking thing kind of yeah and yeah, like he sang it. He did a pretty decent job for, you know, Matt Skiba and like a relatively new song, if you really think about it, as far as like Blink's catalog goes at that time. And the song that, you know, that's very, like a very much a Tom song. Yeah. And the fact that, the fact that like Skiba, like he like wanted to make sure that like if he was going to be playing in Blink, that he'd eventually be able to play that song because he really liked it. Was it now? Am I, am I crazy? Zach, did you have Wishing Well in your top five songs? No, but that might oh. be one of my favorite ones off Neighborhoods. That is, oh, that yeah. is the one that that one's aged really fucking well. I would I would say mm-hmm. of like the half of that album that's really good. That's fucking Tom really did well on that song. You got to give him that. Yeah. I, and I know he I wrote agree. that. I think he wrote the basically the at least the gist of it. So I definitely mm-hmm. would give him the credit for that being so fucking good. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I just thought yeah. it was funny how. Mark probably was like, hey, what do you want to like play from our catalog? And he was like, one of the new reunion Tom DeLonge songs. Like, not the rock show, not story of, I mean, I guess story of Lonely Guys Tom song again, but not Roller Coaster, not anything cool. Not wishing Well, for sure. Well, I mean, all those, like, almost all those songs you stated, they have played live with Matt. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know what's funny? I w- as much as I don't, th- I mean, I wish they were back with Tom. They play, they're more adventurous with their set lists now, funny enough, with Matt than they were with Tom. I feel like they played oh, more yeah. of a greatest hits set list when they were with Tom, which may, I guess yeah. maybe that was, I'm, a, I'm assuming that was Tom because they, well, they do play a lot more deep better, cuts. Well, yeah, at like, the end I they know, were. I know. Yeah, right at the end it got crazy good. They, well, th- when they were doing those little acoustic sets, like in, yeah. in the crowd. They would play two songs, and there was always at least one super deep cut. Yeah, they did, like, Wasting yeah. Time, and they did fucking, 
I think they did ample shampoo. Yeah, um, I, th- yeah. I think they did. I think they did a lemmings in there. Yeah, so the funny enough, shit. they they played Apple Shampoo at, when they were doing the Untitled reunion shows in and the like California, and uh, they like like right before like 2013, like 2014. Um, they were like, yeah, I agree. They had pretty like cut and dry uh, set lists, like greatest hits, but. They really were starting to get adventurous, and like they played Apple Shampoo Electric too. At oh those fuck shows. yeah! And well, if there's well, videos, I'll link it to you both. Well, I'm pretty um, sure Tom was out of the band by 2013. That was his oh, last no year. No, that was his no, last year because they did those untitled shows in 2013. Nah, look up, look up, Link 182 Live at Reading 2014 Best Show with Tom DeLonge. Okay, no yeah. Whatever they did, whatever their last show. Wait, was, was that the wine year? one? Because literally, their last show with him, I think, was like a wine festival. I don't know, but their last shows in Europe it. were their best shows. Yeah, they were re- really re- killing year. it. Yeah. Well, same with when they were doing the fucking. Because like, even when they were doing those untitled shows, remember they were doing them in smaller venues. Like they, like they did them in smaller places for them. They were playing fucking deeper cut, like. They were embracing it more. You know what I mean? They had their 20th anniversary. They kind of started doing shit. Because, again, it's like I get you get back together and you have to play greatest hits, but they're a band who's been around so long that they really could be playing much longer than 90 minutes. Like, And I know they're a punk band. You can fit a lot of songs in 90 minutes, but they also have so many hits and so many deep cuts that if you really – because the songs are so fast too that it's like, fuck, people want to hear like Dysentery Gary and like Dick Lips and like – old songs that clock in at like two minutes so it's like if you would just play an extra fucking half hour play two hours instead of 90 minutes you could fit in like 10 more songs yeah like, and it, what's funny that you brought up dyson terry gary because that was one of the songs that with tom towards the end they were doing as a as like a vip uh like pre-show like sound check yeah song and then they started playing it live with skiba yeah, I've seen Skiba. I I think they've played it quite a few times with Skiba. Oh, yeah, he it up so bad. Does he? I've well, only heard, like, one video uh, of him doing it. <laughs> oh, no way, man. I dial it in pretty good. I play way better than Skiba, and I love Matt Skiba. So do I. I love Skiba. Um, the, dude, he's just not playing. Like, he – some my complaint with uh, – His heart's not in it. Alkali, he, he's just not – he's a great guitarist. He's just, like – it's like now he's like not fretting it right or not playing fast enough. It's either one of the two things. But it's cheesy. And I, I, I will hardly believe that Mark Hoppus played all the guitar on that quarantine track, which was one of the better tracks for. No, I believe like, it because I was saying earlier that song is one of the ones where I think that guitar sounds similar to like dogs eating dogs and stuff. That sounds like it's like a similar progression and tone and shit where. That oh, yeah. totally sounds like a Mark Hoppus fucking riff. And really riff because yeah, he's not melodic. Think... He's not melodic with guitar. Like, that's what I love about, like, Tom is, like, damn it or, like, reckless abandon or, like, Wendy Clear. You know what I mean? Those, like, those really simple but melodic just note riffs. You know what I mean? Where he's like... just going down the fucking major scale, basically. Like, oh. that's his that's his calling card. That is. Oh, trust me. That's blink. Listen to yeah, if you listen to Mark's, like, if you listen to, like, all the main songs that Mark sings vocally, he, he has primarily written those songs guitar-wise as well. 
And that's why I said like his guitar playing is so specifically distinct that I can recognize it from a mile away because like it's very like just repetitive. There's not a lot of change to it. It's more chord Tom, heavy. Oh yeah. And Tom, like he'll try to throw a couple little, you know, single notes, you know, within the wrist to try to just open it up a little bit. Mark is very much straightforward riffing with not much, you know, dynamic like parts to it. So any song you hear Mark sing, it's it's almost a hundred percent him that wrote the guitar riff at least. Well, and my and, here's my thing with that, like what you're saying is I feel like it suffers because Mark is a bass player. So when he goes and does guitar, it's just I feel like it's Mark playing guitar like he would play bass. Well, and, yeah, that's why I'm saying it's so distinct. Yeah, and but but like at the same time though, and I think we kind of talked about this on the Boxcar Racer episode when Tom went in and just played bass on the Boxcar Racer record. I mean, again, don't get me wrong, it's still a great record. But I feel like if he would have gotten someone who could have, who was a bass player, not someone who plays or could play bass, but someone who is a bass player, like a Matt Rubano, like someone like that, so much more could have been done because well, he sure. went in and played bass like a guitar player plays bass. Who goes, yeah, I'm just going to play like, root again, notes. like when these people are writing their songs, like it's their song. Like sometimes you're not going to deviate too much from like the, the artist's vision. So, like, even though these guys are a cohesive group and a band, like if, if Mark's like, Hey, I wrote this song and they all kind of like it, they're probably not going to deviate too much from the original song structure. Well, how and dare you like be logical? Oh no. <laughs> how dare <laughs> but, you make sense, Kyle? <laughs> but no, like, that's just like a thing. Like I feel like Mark's songs are just very distinctly Mark. And I noticed that a long time ago. So when I hear songs, I can kind of pinpoint that sounds like a Mark riff more than like a Tom riff, you know, mm-hmm. like even like if you listen to a, like when I, I think I really noticed it when, um, when they did uh, another girl, another planet, um, when they did that cover for, uh, Oh yeah. For Greatest the, hits. Travis's uh, Yeah. And they did it as the intro to Tom or Travis's like married show that he had meet the Parkers. Oh shit. <laughs> That was the intro song, and like I remember distinctly knowing that like all Tom did on that song, I'm pretty sure were just vocals, and you hear the guitar playing, and it just does not sound like Tom's guitar playing, even though it's a Blink song. You listen to that, and you just tell there's just not enough grit to it. It's very, it almost sounds like soft power chords. You know that's that's very interesting, and to go off of what you're saying too, or and that makes sense. The original version of that song from the only ones, they mm-hmm. have two guitars in it. If Tom was the one who was playing guitar on, so Mark basically just plays the rhythm track. You know what I mean? The chords, yeah. the the chord progression. But you're right. I think I think you're onto something here because if you listen to the original song, the lead is very similar to how Tom plays. And if Tom was playing that, I think Tom would have thrown in. Like, Tom, I think, actually would have taken liberty, and even though it was a cover, I think he would have added some shit to it and built off the original because there is a lead to play off of in there that I Mm -hmm. think was very Tom DeLonge-esque that had he played on it. I think you have a point there, and I never thought of that before, but, like, going off what you're saying and thinking of the original song, that makes a lot of fucking sense. Yeah. That's how I see it. I I I think... uh, You're cracking codes. 
It's. I think it does kind of sound like Tom's like kind of picking style. At least uh, I don't. It might not be his like tone, but like they were pretty experimental with tones by like Untitled Era, and uh, it, it, yeah, it's like a cleaner, boxier, maybe even a, like a Vox tone, but or like a Thunder Twin tone. Um, but it kind of has the calm muty but still playing like octave riff kind of thing that Tom Long is like always going for like I still yeah. hear it so no no I hear it it's just it's soft it's just I feel like Mark's guitar playing isn't as attacky as yeah. Tom's it's it's very just like it's it's almost sounds like he's like just yeah he's not playing the the notes fully it's just kind of like it sounds like very half like volume half tone it's there but it's just there's just there's got to be a little bit more oomph to it for me to really know like that's Mark or that's Tom. You know, it makes me think but of like, now that you say that it's like Mark's tone like on a guitar head, like you know when you get to that point when you're turning up the volume and there's just that like little notch where if you turn it up just a little more the tone changes like fuller everything comes out it's brighter. But if you knock it back just a little bit, I mean, you'll still have distortion, you'll still have tone, but you almost get less of it. It's dialed mm-hmm. back. It's this, it, you're like right on the verge of it. And I feel like that is Tom turns the fucker up. You get, you get the full range of tones. It's loud. Like you said, there's more attack and Mark's is a little, you get less of the high end. There's, there's more to be, I feel like desired there. Like, I don't feel like his, you know what I mean? Like, Tom's the guitar player of the band. Mark's, Mark, again, I'm kind of going with Mark plays guitar like a bit. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's a bass player first and foremost, and the way he plays guitar suffers for it because of that. Yeah. But uh, anything else for uh, (laughs) fucking, for this song? It's a great song. Uh, No. (laughs) All right. No, I'm good. Y'all good? All right. Well, then it is time for the very last song of the album, Pretty Little Girl. I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot to get into on this one. <laughs> I'm, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it, to be honest, I mean, we, we all know the reason why, but one or two tweaks, this could be the best song on the EP, but there's just a few things on it that fuck it up. Because this is a really good fucking song. Not even just, not even like just for their reunion stuff. This is a really good Blink song. Like I actually, I put that up there in high regards. Like I think the chorus is fucking great. I love the verses. There's a great groove to the bass. Like giving Mark some credit here. Like his bass line in it has this really nice groove. Like it just, and his bass tone sounds really good. Um, Again, he gets rid of that. He has that deep round bass again. It's not as, uh, you know, the gain and shit's not on it. Like, again, he has really good tone. Like, I don't know. Most of the song I like until you get to the fucking rapping part. But, like, <laughs> most of this song is really fucking good. I agree. I actually think it sounds the most like Angels and Airwaves. Really? Um, See, I think this is the most straightforward pop punk. Like, this oh, to me no. really see i think your, this is your, the your most blink like no oh, see i think this is the most thinking? straightforward blink song on the record you're wrong you're wrong when i was young is the most straightforward blink song 
Yeah, Pretty maybe. Little Girl is sounds like Angels and Airwaves, and has it's like Angels and Airwaves with a rap part, like like the it, the rap part would have worked better on a like honestly it would have worked better on Dogs Eating Dogs or Disaster, but not Pretty Little Girl. They, it wouldn't worked on, on any of wrong, those songs, but but they put it on the wrong song though. Like it, it was too like laid back and landscapey and experimental for uh a rap part like it just didn't fit like dogs eating dogs i could see like a shorter like rap part maybe that but, sound like, definitely cheesy. not i think it just sounds cheesy anywhere on it like i just don't know true and again maybe they could write a song like i have no doubt that they could actually write a song where a rap part would work there's a bad religion yeah. song, Let Them Eat War, where there's a small rap part in it that works actually really well. Like, there's been punk songs with rap parts that do work. Like, mm-hmm. it's not impossible to execute, but it's difficult to do. And I just think this one was one of them where, I mean, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking, you know? And and I don't well, know I don't know what you'd put there. Like, I don't know how you would rework because it is a long bridge. You would definitely need something else there. But like, I I just don't know. Sorry, sorry, dude. I know I, I just started talking over you. Sorry, dude. Uh, which one of us? <laughs> no. I think you. Um, <laughs> no, like I was kind of, like, like I like I, we all agree. Like for the most part, this is a really good song. Like I think this has like the best chorus, like lyrically and just like vocal delivery wise on the EP. Like I think the I think it's like probably the best song. Just you know. I honestly, I give this more of like, so like we've kind of done this with some of the other songs, how they kind of like on neighborhoods, this song relates to this one. Kind of this song kind of reminds me of that bonus track on the deluxe album. Even if she falls. Ooh, I've never thought of that, but I see, I, you know what? I could see that. I've never thought of that before. That's a really good point. And, and and even if she falls, it's probably collectively my favorite song on that, on that album, even though, you know, I do. I, I did have "Fighting the Gravity" on my top five. I think realistically, even if she falls, even though it's like a deluxe song, is the best song that that got released associated to that album. And so this song, "Pretty Little Girl," gives me a lot of those vibes. And yeah, the rap part, like at first, I hated it, and I don't love it now, but I'm used to it. So like, it doesn't really bother me as much as it did. The only thing really about it that I would have changed would have been because I know Travis wanted to have, you know, he wanted to have a friend on the album and, you know, Travis has had a lot of like artistic input when it comes to the albums, like the album artwork for the self-titled, the photographer for self-titled, the hand CD-ROM for self-titled, the artwork for neighborhoods. He's had quite a bit of input when it comes to like the artistic, you know, visuals of this band. And having the, a friend like Yellow Wolf come in and do it, fine. You know, they probably agreed, you know, no big deal. Like, you know, it's Travis's friend and some input. But I was listening to a song, and you remember that uh, that Haley Williams and B.O.B., like Jesus that airplane? Yeah, I remember that song. They did a like a secondary version with Eminem on like, like a, a bridge or like a verse. And listening to Eminem's vocal delivery on that, actually matches more if there was going to be a rap on this song 
Eminem's vocal delivery on that song matches this vibe a little bit more. Not saying I would want a rapper, but if I had to change the rapper, do that era Eminem because that's when he was like no longer like slim shady and being weird. It was more of like a more thought out, uh, like mature Marshall Mathers. I was about to say, was he Marshall Mathers at that point? Yeah, it was a mix between Marshall Mathers and Eminem because there's 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 not as much of a departure between those two than there is like Slim Shady and the other two. <laughs> you know what? It would have been cool though, uh, and this was like Kelly. no, dude, uh, <laughs> Bismarcky. And this I was think Bismarcky. It just kind of reminds me. <laughs> I'm just kind of thinking of the time era specifically because 2012 was like I was in high school and. Uh, Mac wow. Miller was huge, and he, I, he, you know, still is in a is sense. He? Well, he's passed, if oh. you know. <laughs> um, but like he, he was like a really huge rapper, and people still listen to his music. And like, I think they've even released like a collective of like old recordings that he's done, like. I'm not even a fan, man. And, like, people I hang out with and, like, my little sister, like, there's, like, a diehard fan base for this guy. And, like, I think that he would have been a good fit because, like, he's not as, like, annoying. He's kind of more of, like, a laid-back, like, relaxed kind of voice rapper. Yeah, Wolf or whatever, he's just a bad rapper and he's a bad actor, too. Like, you know, he acts... He, no. He's a bad actor, too. Yeah, he was in a movie I saw once, and it was really bad. He had a really small part, and his part was weird. He's in the movie Peanut Butter Falcon. Look it up. I mean, if weird. his acting's really anything like his it. fucking rapping part in this song, he's fucking dog well, shit. Well, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's just like he plays like a, a ruffian like guy. It, it's just bad. Wait, so Zach, he's you're just... telling me he went and took something that was good... <laughs> And then made it bad, kind of like he did with this song. Well, kind of. I I could say the same thing about Machine Gun Kelly and his acting in SLC Punk Two, and then ruining the entire Punk. Wait, he was in that movie? There's a second movie for that. I knew they they made that. I knew they did a second. I haven't seen it. The only returning uh, actor from that movie, oddly enough, is Harold and Bob. Wait, I thought Matthew Lillard had the same. It had something to do with that movie. He wasn't in it. I think. I think he had something to do with it. I don't recall if he was in it. I only watched it once. Oh, maybe he only like directed it or something. Maybe, but uh, yeah, Heroin Bob was in the movie, even though he died in the first one. <laughs> I didn't even know they made a second one. And I yeah, it, that movie. it was it was well talked about like before it was coming out. Like I remember seeing like all like the the you know the. AP press about it and all that stuff. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of neat. And then I saw like the trailer for it. And I was like, is that that white rapper guy? And it's like machine gun Kelly in SLC punk two. I'm like, Oh crap. <laughs> Tickets to my downfall, bro. Yeah. But Kyle likes so that fucking album. Ba- oh, I'm so- oh God. Don't make no. me. <laughs> don't, don't besmirch Kyle, Kyle's good name I- like that. No, bro. If you go back on one of our podcasts, Kyle's like saying that it was a he was defending it and saying no. it was one of the best albums. No lie, it's on your record. Go go find it. It's a, it's there. I'm too lazy uh, sure. to go back, but I don't believe you. Sure. 
<laughs> yeah. Dude, you were talking you were saying it was an actually a good pop punk record. Wasn't it you that actually said on record? It sounds more like you'd exactly. rather have MGK on this song. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh I would rather No, have there's no agreeance. You said it. <laughs> I do not agree with you. No, I agree that that is also on record, Kyle, and I think Machine Gun Kelly would be a better fit for this song than the rapper they recorded it with. That is correct. Well, you know what? Um, I mean, again, I would rather no rap in any of it, but I actually think, Kyle, you had it when you were saying Eminem because I'm not an Eminem fan, but when I think about how Yellow Wolf was on this song, he does sound like he's trying to basically be Eminem. So it's kind of like... If someone has to be on it, you might as well have the guy who this guy sounds like he's trying to be. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and especially with, like, Travis. Sense. Travis has the pull to probably get someone like Eminem. Oh, well, you get anyone he fucking wants from the fucking rap game. I feel like Travis is, like, yeah. <laughs> you have to give him credit, too. And sometimes you forget that. It's, like, huge, like, punk rock drummer and also equally has, like, just as big of a career in like a whole nother genre. Like, you know oh, what I mean? So much like hip hop, like rap cred. It's incredible. Like that is really cool. Like, I mean, hats off to him, including very different genres. And you start thinking about it, like blink from like all the other people that he's like worked with. Like, you know, the man has range. Yeah. Hardcore rap, like literally like the kind of like little stuff, like, like, prisoners listen to versus like <laughs> things that you know i'm gonna go get a blowjob from your mom like very different spectrums of like like i remember Man. many years ago he got featured uh, in a music video with like p diddy or puff daddy at the time and it was, the song was bad boy for life and he's like drumming on the roof i'm like holy shit pop punk is like cool because <laughs> oh, like i like yeah. blink i, bl- I like blink already at that time but like the fact that like Travis Barker was in this music video full of just like big time like names in the rap industry and then there's fucking Travis I'm like dude he's got mad respect like amongst that community I don't know how but now like, here's an interesting point cool. um I, I not related to the EP but with Travis given at this point I mean Blinker's still big but they're not as big as they once were I really bet that there are people out there of a certain age, younger younger than all of us, who know Travis Barker but don't know Blink-182. That would make Easily, sense. Easily, yeah, dude. Yeah, especially since he started like dating one of the Kardashians, too. And Oh, and I forgot. Oh, in case people didn't know, everyone, we, we forgot. We're talking about Travis Barker, like uh, the drummer. If you don't know, we're talking about the CBD <laughs> The guy who sells CBD, he also <laughs> oh, plays yeah. drums. I don't know if you know that, you know, like as he's hawking his uh, his fake weed products. Oh, my uh, gosh. You know, know, that is literally I was I was saying that to someone or maybe I just said it online. But like CBD is literally just like weed with really with like no THC in it. He's literally selling dump weed. Yeah, that yeah, is I, true. I would, I'd be down for that no since I, I don't smoke. <laughs> it is. It's, it's fucking dumpweed. I mean, he's selling you dumpweed, basically. That's what he <laughs> should Kyle, call you should it. Try it out and uh, tell us what it's like. Oh, man. Travis Barker's I'll, I'll, I'll fucking... I'll start wearing Famous and like, tattooing my head all of a sudden. 
<laughs> what if you're the p you're Please like the psa don't. dude dude it's like one of those psas where it's like not even once and it's just you smoking cbd <laughs> and you get the and you get the f on like your face you get it like under your eye like yeah. a famous stars and strap f it's just cbd not even once yeah <laughs> Bro, and you got a yellow wolf meme. dude and you're listening to like Do a I fucking yellow wolf cd <laughs> I mean, Anthony, do I have permission to uh, have artistic realm feel and, like, free. make this a meme? I feel this like is you, happening. I feel like you have to ask. Uh, I feel like you should ask Kyle because I feel it would be it would be his picture. But I mean, you. Oh well, no, it's not going to be a picture of Kyle. We'll, we'll, we'll work around that. Yeah, do do whatever the fuck you want with that. Yeah, CBD, not even once. Yeah. Hell yeah. I've also been um, coined of calling it the Oduls of weed. <laughs> So none of this is blink when you two related. Why don't we get back to no? Well, I was just going to say like, because I feel like I do this a lot, like trying to bring us back a little bit, Um, which is funny because that's really should be my job, but you're better at it. (laughs) Um, I'll take control from this, from this uh, point. Uh, Does anyone have any more additional information on a pretty little girl? Uh, it's a good song, and, uh, I wonder if Tom still feels the same way about the person he wrote wrote it about. That's one of the things I wrote on here, actually, is like, is this really about Jen, or is this about maybe the new girl that maybe he met beforehand? I don't know. This was long ago. I doubt it. I feel like this was (laughs) about... I know, I know. But now he's... His wife is hot. Let's go on record. Tom's ex-wife. Yeah. I got to say hi to her once (laughs) at a meet meet and greet. I got to, I got to say hello. Uh, so I, I've said hi to Tom DeLong's ex-wife. Hey, yo, but I've talked to Derek Wibley's wife, and she's like a fucking model or something, and she's really Who, Avril Lavigne? <laughs> no, his new wife, man. You mean Avril Derek... Lavigne? No, what's her name? You mean Canadian pop punk sensation Avril Lavigne? <laughs> nah, dude, Derek, w- Derek Wibley's dating this like 6'4", like, really attractive model and i met her and it him. was awesome i remember yeah, seeing I dude he's like five foot yeah Good he's short him. he's he's fucking he's so he's short, short man he's um, like four or five i uh <laughs> dude no why he's so short he's some four foot one <laughs> dude no he's why right. he might be some four foot one i ain't talking shit um, Derek. i love your band like he's gonna uh, fucking listen do. to this fucking podcast <laughs> Oh God! Like he's You're, listening to us talking about dogs eating dogs for three fucking hours. Yeah, right. He's like, "Hey, they finally said my name." Score. He was still <laughs> waiting. Yeah, he was listening uh, this long because he was still waiting to hear his name. Oh God! Oh, oh God! We're in too deep on this show. No, 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 motherfucker! Whichever one of you keeps strumming, nah, whichever one of you keeps strumming that fucking guitar at that point should have started strumming. Still waiting. One of you fucked up there. One of you should have started. So am someone right then should have plugged in. Someone should have fucking no. If I, dude, I'm in the studio. If I had an amp or a guitar here right now, right now I'd be. In the middle of this, I would all of a sudden start singing Still Waiting. It would be the weirdest uh, transition in this whole show. I, I do have something I want to bring up about now that we've kind of gotten over the EP. Okay. Yeah, now it's kind of like um, an overview and shit. Like, well, get into all so that. We, well, with all that, like, obviously one of the big factors on this whole EP was the fact that they were going to go into the studio to start working on new music and a new album. 
uh, with, like, realistically, like, how the band was at the time, where things were at with this EP, what would the new EP, uh, new album really have been? Would it have been, you think, a continuation of this EP? Would it have been a, a further departure? Because, obviously, the the idea of Blink after the self-titled was always to just morph and change and really kind of experiment with their sound would we get something more like the ep or will we get something that's the ep with the studio cohesivity but still something like kind of like neighborhoodsy where they're still trying to really experiment okay i i have a couple fucking things for this that is a really you set that up really fucking well now one thank you (laughs) i don't know if we've brought this up before but what you just brought up with with self-titled ever since that having to like continue experimenting shit you brought up a point i've never thought of much before after they wrote that record i don't know that they ever could have went which i don't know maybe that's my complaint with californian shit because i guess in a way they did but really realistically blink 182 is mark tom and travis not what it is now but it's mark tom and travis i don't think they ever could have went back to a straightforward pop punk record after that after that how do you because wouldn't that sound like regression like if they if they wrote self-titled didn't break up and then they put out a ne- the next record and like it, it was like fucking the first song was like a joke song or something or they like, you know, the, the name of the record like references sodomy or something like, you know, I don't know that they could ever do that again, which goes into like they could man. How does no effects keep doing it? No, no effects. Yeah, old. but no effects. never. OK, but no, that's not my point, though. No effects never wrote that self-titled record, though. That the, the Blink One Eight Two could still they, write. They never had their moment. But it's not about their age. Like I'm gonna talk about that. Blink could still write those records. What I'm saying is, when a band writes that, it's like American Idiot. When you or Green Day, when you write an album like American Idiot, sometimes you fuck yourself over because it just gets so big that like you have to follow it up with something. And Blink's the same way with self-titled. You made something so different, but also so successful. And uh, for the most part, people took positively, you know, fans loved that. It's like, fuck, where do you go from there? And I think it is a reaction to how basically the rest of their shit came out. I mean, dogs eating dogs, neighborhoods. Now, getting to what you were saying, Kyle, where it would go after this. I think if they went in with a producer, because that was the thing. I think they would have had a real producer. They talked about it enough Mm -hmm. where I don't think the next album was going to be self-produced. And again, Bill Stevenson got talked about. That's a dream. A Blink record produced by Bill Stevenson, we would have gotten a punk record. Again, Bill Stevenson, I don't think would have let them do a lot with synth. I don't think he would have let them do a lot of experimental shit. I think what we would have gotten if we got like a Bill Stevenson, a Brett Gurwitz, uh, you know, like something like that, I think we would have gotten a full length record that had songs very similar. To, they would go more like the dogs eating dogs, pretty little girl without the rapping, and when I was young, I think those three we would hear more of. I don't know that we would hear something like Disaster. I mean, I, I bet we would at least hear one song, to be honest. I bet they would still have at least like one experimental song. But I think they would have worked on the strong points of that EP. And maybe it's me being biased because those are also what I think are the strong points of it. But I think we would have gotten something – where it would have had, you know what I mean? Like, it would have been Blink 
at that age blink as 40 something year old dudes like mm-hmm. like realistically just like they were doing that like when when i was young like i bet they would have reflect more than they did on their other records i think we would have gotten a record where maybe at that age they would have started looking back more you know what i mean like writing those songs yeah. more from a nostalgic standpoint or like a looking back instead of a hey present day we're like making prank phone calls and like whatever you know what i mean like looking back more and i think it would have been more of a self-realized record and mature just like self-titled was in a way where it was mature without being mature where it was fucking boring you know what i mean like yeah like they would have been because like i get i get zach what you're saying like with no effects and i'm kind of staying that way but again no effects never never had that turning point or really wanted to either i think you know to be and nothing against no effects that's them and i think that's also why they're popular because they've kind of stayed that consistency, you know, that way. But like with Blink, I think we would have gotten something where maybe, again, I don't know that we'll ever get anything that touches self-titled. I don't think they'll ever write a record. You just can't. It's it's just one of those things. The The nostalgia around it, the memories, what it means to people, what it meant to them as a band, they'll never outdo what they did on self-titled. But I think they would have gotten to a point there where they really would have fixed what they fucked up on neighborhoods and we would have gotten more of a proper follow-up to self-titled. You know what I mean? Like punk rock, I think we would get – because that was something that I think they did more than they did on self-titled. I think we get more of the hearts all gone, the dogs eating dogs, that more kind of bad religion-y kind of punk shit, which is great. I think we would have gotten more of that and we would have gotten more shit in the vein of self-titled. So really I think we would have gotten something – going back a little to what they were doing before the breakup because they would have gotten their footing. That's a that's a couple years of playing together, playing with a producer, working out the kinks. You now have an EP in a full length. You had your time to work your shit out. Like, I think we would have gotten something along that lines, you know, something along the lines of the Dogs Eating Dogs EP. But I think that also, you know, kind of would have, would have like, continued and, you know, worked with shit. But I think a producer would have reined them in. I think it would have been a good yeah, fucking for sure. thing. Yeah, definitely. That's my long-winded um, answer. It's, it's, yeah, no, it's weird leading this. Uh, Zach, what about you? Uh, you know, I really think that uh, I, I heard the one fact that they were going to replace Travis with uh, Brooks Wackerman and from Bad Religion. And I just really – and I did hear that they were going to record with some producers that had worked on some famous punk records like The Descendants and like Bad Religion and stuff. I truly believe that they were, like, just going to ditch, like, all the synth and everything and just, like, record, like, in the vein of what Tom kind of, like, was messing with and teasing with, with, like, uh, the tones on, like, Circle Jerk Pit on the, like, demos and odds and ends. I really think that, like, they were just going to be like, all right, Tom, get one distortion going in, like, let's, like, crank out, like, a couple, like, obvious just like i think they were gonna pan to the audiences a little bit and just release like like a ep or like who knows maybe even an album of like just straightforward not really experimenting not really putting any inches and hours or plus 44 influences in it i think like kind of like what uh california was dude there's not a ton of like experimental stuff on california like I think that, like, California, it would have been, like, more like 
California in a way, but more of like original members and kind of like, you know, just more like just less experimental and less weird. I I guess it just would have been a straightforward punk rock record. I think I don't think there would have been any delay on the guitars. I think it would have just been a straightforward punk rock record. Yeah, because I'm actually glad you brought up the uh, the the demo like ends and odds and ends uh, mm-hmm. the release that Tom did after this. I always forget because, about that too. Well, and that was the thing. I actually like wanted to revisit that leading into this uh, episode because that's what we got, at least as far as Tom's potential vision. Because there was talk about that. Some of these songs were Angels and Airwaves, trial songs that never made it. Some were going to be on the next Blink record. And I wanted to listen to it just to like really kind of digest it because when I first heard it, I really didn't like it. I was just like, this isn't, there's like, there's hope here. But all in all, like, if Tom was talking about some of these songs being future Blink songs, obviously they didn't have Mark and Travis's and maybe a producer's, uh, you know, fingerprints on it. But what we got on that little release from Tom, there's some hope, but I, it might not have been very good. Obviously, this is self-produced, so he's kind of doing everything on his own. And so, obviously, we're not going to get the full band, but where he was kind of going. Yeah, we got an idea, and I didn't seem very hopeful when I kind of thought of this idea of, like, what would have it become? And if we're kind of doing, like, you know, obviously, Tom writes his own songs, brings them to Mark, and vice versa with Mark to Tom. And they collaborate after that, but like I said, with Mark's songs, some of the songs like these are his songs. Trav, uh, Tom has these are my songs. I don't know how some of these demo songs would have turned into Blink songs and been like, that's a good song. I didn't really have much hope. There was a little bit and there was some potential on some of those songs. But like the the Circle Jerk Pit or like the, uh, what's the, I don't remember the name of the song off the top of my head, but it was like. Uh, Is it the real jokey it, one? It's like the last song. Uh, it's something like that where it's like it's a it's a long hard day up in California. Yeah, I think like that, that is the last song. It's like yeah, fuck. It, there's a yeah, song that, still, that still had really great riffs though. Yeah, but actually... it, it just they didn't sound like Blink songs. Like none none of oh, that. Oh, dude, hundred percent Blink riffs though. But they didn't sound like good Blink riffs. They sound like kind of like you know what it reminded me of of just like weak it just sounded weak it didn't sound like there was enough energy to it like it just like he had that endless summer song uh that really could have been a blink song but there was just not the oomph there and maybe if those songs became blink songs with mark and travis's and maybe producers point of view on it maybe it could have been something but hearing those songs i had very little hope for what future blink songs could have been after hearing them well, like I and I agree with what you're saying because really, I haven't listened to that EP. Like I just said, I forget about it all the time. I haven't listened to it probably since the year it came out, and that's what I remember off of it was they're somewhat they're okay ideas here and there, but they're not really full songs. And again, they probably would be better with everyone's input in it. You know, what I mean, really more than anything, it's probably a better look into what a song sounds like before everyone gets their hands on it. You know what I mean? That's probably mm-hmm. a better version of what a Tom DeLong song sound like just Tom DeLong, not Tom DeLong with the other dudes in the band, whether it be angels and airwaves, whether it be blink, that's Tom DeLong unfiltered, just raw. 
You know, like really yeah. that may be a good representation. But like Yeah, that that last song was called Golden Showers in the Golden State. <laughs> I knew kind it had a, some kind of kind of like it. a really trying to pull in that old school blink vibe. But, and that song shows it lyrically, but like it, it felt it, it felt like kind of like California blink where it was kind of tryhardy. This is what That's I was just what that song is. This is what I was just about to get into because Zach, like you were saying, no, it sounds just like blink or this and that. What it sounds like to me is the thing that I bitch about on California. It sounds like what someone thinks, but like to me, that's Tom DeLong going, I don't really want to write a joke song, but people want a joke song. So it's him writing what he, th- you know what I mean? Like well, the lyrics are terrible. I will agree, but I think take away the lyrics, the song. Great. It's, it's the music's like, great. It's like a rough idea. I feel like, like there's, there's moments. I think in it, it sounds like enema. I think it's the closest thing that sounds to enema since enema. Yeah, but is that something that we really needed? Like, obviously, yeah, they like, did no, it but the California, California record, and everyone yeah, hated no. it. But people yeah, hated I know. it. So if that, was, if that was potentially a Blink song, that could have been just as shat on as the rest of the album. Like, what but if anyone's going to... If anyone's going to recreate Blink songs in the style of Blink, I want it to be top. If it's good, though, this is the same thing why I don't want him doing a Boxcar Racer album at this point. I don't think his – it would be him writing what he thinks Boxcar Racer should sound like. It wouldn't come out easy. Like, I don't see Tom sitting down and a Boxcar Racer record just comes pouring out of him. Because you know what? The other thing, if that was the case, we probably would have had a second album years ago. Like, if we were supposed to have a second – a follow-up to that first one – it would have happened a decade plus ago at this point. Like we're talking like well over like 10 years. And yeah. And, and like, sorry, no, go ahead, man. Oh no, no I, I was just gonna say like, we kind of actually got that on the, uh, that demo odds and ends with that circle jerk pit song. That's kind of like new, my first punk song. Vibe. Yeah, you're right. It, I, Not I as energetic, but it's kind of that straightforward punk rock song. And that's kind of like the joke of like, oh, new boxcar racer. Like, what would it be like? Well, obviously, that's more of like the fast punk rock, like hardcore song, like on this demos. But there's a, a slight glimpse of what it could have been. And if, say, they re-released that song with full band and a little bit more, you know, tone, is it really that good of a song again? Or was it ever that good of a song? No, it's just, you know, cut, copy and paste. Plus the other thing about that EP that left a bad taste in my mouth was it very much felt like not only were they like the songs kind of felt like, again, the idea of what he thought fans wanted, but the way it was released and everything almost felt like it was like, uh, hey, like they kicked me out. Look at what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like throw, it was that dangling the carrot over the fans, the fans who wanted them to sound like Enema of the State again it really felt like this thing where he was almost doing as a slight against blink where it was like, look, the rest of the guys, it, it's like a divorced parent or something like going, look at, look at what a terrible person your mother is. And it's like, look, we were going to do all this. It's her who said we can't go to fucking Disney world. It's like, I was going to take you here. And, and it's like, you're just kind of teasing something. And it's like, no, you know, cause it's and- like, Oh, oh go ahead, man. Sorry, I keep doing that. I keep doing that. No, dude, you're good. We're on a phone. It's hard to fucking be able yeah. to tell. Yeah. And like the last thing on this was something that we started to mention that I wanted to bring up up until this point was there was a, a recent interview and like, you know, talks of Tom's releasing a new Angels and Airwaves release. And there was a video interview where he says like, 
you know, the new sound. I wanted it to sound like what, you know, like had that blink sound. And he specifically referenced Goats, Ghosts on the Dance Floor, where that song kind of builds, builds, builds. It, it ascends, it drops, it builds. And, like, that's cool and all. But, like, is that, I, I guess for me, like, is that the song you want to really, like, start the premise around? Yeah. Like, I get it's, I mean... I would almost like when when I heard that, I immediately thought like, well, when I was young is like a better version of Ghost on the Dance Floor, and I still like that song, but like I feel like he could have had better examples to try to help pull fans in. Yeah, well, it's a more realized version. I mean, we we brought that yeah. up earlier. Like Ghost on the Dance Floor is good, but this is a more realized version of that. And we, there was even talks we saw online of like that reference to like, Oh, that the, the old box car racer producer, he's doing this stuff, like the new angel stuff. And it's going to have some of a box car racer vibe. We've already t- kind of touched on this. If that's going to be kind of the vibe with the like, angels and airwaves tweaks that they're going to throw in, is it really something that we're going to want? I know the diehard like AVA fans are going to like eat that shit up. And I used to be one of those, but now it's just like it's kind of cringy it's kind of like what a lot of people look at new blink as it's very cringy that's how i'm picturing this new concept of ava with the old blink what could have been sound and the boxcar racer vibe like it sounds so cringy to me i'll listen to it and i don't have a lot of high hopes yeah but it just sounds so cringe and i hate using that word well then it, the other thing too is when you start doing that it's like well then where's angels and airwaves because then you start losing that because now it's like it's funny because before he's trying to distance himself from blink it's like no it's ava now like you know like blink is your old band. like that's my old band i do this but now it's like yeah now it's trying to embrace those bands he's trying to get away from all while kind of erasing you know your current the you know and you're kind of using your legacy and erasing what you were currently working on kind of you know which yeah, is another bit, thing yeah. with blink now that that I think kind of sucks where I think Mark kind of took it and made them a legacy band in a lot of ways where it's like like in a way that yes they're still trying to get radio hits and shit but I think he's leaned a lot more into hey look at all this shit we did 20 years ago instead of cuz that's my thing you People cannot like neighborhoods. Maybe there's people who don't like dogs eating dogs, and they don't like them because they don't sound like Take Off Your Pants and Jack, or they don't sound like Enema of the State. But what I always liked about the albums were exactly that. They didn't pander to that. They wrote what what a Blink album would have sounded like in 2011 and 2012. Like, they didn't go and try to shit out, like, one of their old things. Like, they're like, this is what we sound like when we write now. Like, we're grown-ass men. Like, we've went and did other things. And it's like, this is now how we write. And and again, when they're genuine like that, and also when they reel it in, I mean, I, I for most bands, I think a producer, the whole self-producing thing that bands do now almost never is, is never better. I can think of very few bands that their best albums were self-produced. Like that's the that's a fact. Go look at most bands. Bands who self-produce, their better records are probably the ones where someone was there to say, hey, that fucking sucks. Like you just you need that. And and I think that that's what's missing in some of it. But again, it's like I think I think a blink or just Tom or just any of them just doing what they want to do now, you know, like like still realizing, hey, people have a certain expectation of our sound, and that's fine. You can have that in your head. Like, I mean, obviously, don't start writing fucking polka music. Like, you know, keep keep what people like about Tom DeLong, 
But it's like you don't have to just be like, hey, look at I'm going to be the guy from 20 years ago. It's like I don't really want you to be. Like be Tom now. Be Tom the father, the fucking husband, the guy who does this and that. It's like just write good fucking music. It's like I don't need you to be who you were 20 years ago. Like I want to hear what you're doing now, you know? Yeah, I don't. I don't want golden showers in the Golden State. Like, yeah, that feels too forced. That, that might be funny for like a 30 second little gag song, maybe. But like, I, 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 I like, I've kind of grown past the point of like, I need a joke blink song. I, I can listen to them in between sets and like make jokes. Like that's fine. Like, if that's where the extent of their humor goes from here on out, like with Matt or Tom comes back or whatever, cool. I'm totally fine with that. But like, I don't really need to have you know super jokey songs like anymore like maybe once in a blue moon as like something like on a small ep but well look at it this way did self-titled need a joke song no and it was great (laughs) did that you know what i mean like there's zero dick jokes on on that fucking album like they got rid of all of it and it worked so i hate to say it but it's kind of regression when they do california and they write and cheesy ones too. If you write a joke song and it's legit funny, all for it, one hundred percent. Throw it on there. Like I'd love to hear it. But like, and going back to Matt Skiba, I mean, from what I can tell, I mean, I'm sure he has a sense of humor, but I don't feel like that's ever been his sense of humor. Like Alkaline Trio's not a laugh out loud band or makes a lot of dick jokes and shit. So it's like, does Matt really want those either? You know what I mean? It's like who's writing these and. Who in the band really wants him? Because I don't see Matt Skiba writing like a Built This Pool or like one of those fucking songs. Like none of that seems. Built This Pool was written ages before that album ever came out. Really? Yeah. There's a, when Mark Hoppus had his TV show on Fuse, um, he had like a, a, like a sponsored ad of sorts, like talking about new products. And there was this little, little pocket amp thing or whatever. And he literally plays lyrically word for word and guitar riffs. Oh shit! School. It's it like it's when he had Amy Schumer as a co-host before anyone knew who she was. Yeah, different. I have a I have an autographed poster of a different spin with Mark Hoppus. Mm-hmm. I fucking won on yeah. Twitter like ten years ago. Yeah, and that song was written back then. And then like I for, I don't remember Fel- that. Feldman literally was like, "Do you have any joke songs?" And Mark's like, "Yeah, I have this old one that I wrote." And Feldman's like, "We're using it." And, Okay. <laughs> it was not a good he he should have kept that it was on funny. a different spin. It was funny when I saw it live on TV, but when I heard it I'm like this is familiar. Why? I used to watch I watched time. every episode too when that aired. I don't I don't remember that. That's funny. I remember him doing Happy yeah. Holidays you bastard with Ben Folds. Um, I remember that being fucking yeah. funny. Yeah. And and interviewing Angels and Airwaves. I thought that was that was, that was cool. Hysterical. <laughs> Wasn't it? That was kind of good. Zach, are you there? <laughs> Yeah, that I'm here. I feel like that was a producer's idea too. I don't feel like that was Mark's idea to interview them. I really feel like that was a producer of the show going like, you know what I mean? I don't feel like that was Mark or Tom saying let's do this. I think that was someone behind the scenes got that set up. I don't know, but like Mark fully embraced it, and you can see Angels and Airwaves. Like even Tom, like when he's talking, you can tell like. He's kind of nervous about this whole interview, and Mark is so leaning into it. Yeah, you're it's right. Hysterical. <laughs> it is worth watching if, if anyone's listening to this and haven't, is. haven't watched it. Like the body language, you are right. Like they're polar opposite in that interview. Yeah, Mark is loving it, and Tom and the rest of the band, you can tell there's a bit of awkwardness and like, 
This is so uncomfortable. And I thought it was going to be the other way around. When they announced it, I thought it was going to be like Mark. You know what I mean? Because Mark is like promoting Tom's other band and stuff. And I'm like, I thought it would be more awkward as Mark is the interviewer than than Tom and them. But no, it ended up being the other way around. Yeah. There were were some highlights of that show. There was – there was some good shit here and there, but you're right. That was the first time I'd ever heard of uh, Amy Schumer, and it's so funny to remember she was the co-host for like the first. Mm-hmm. I think it got two seasons, and she was on the first, and then they revamped it, changed the name. Yeah, it was like Hop on Top. Yeah, what was it like? Oh, Hop on Music. Yeah, something like that. I think it was first a different spin, and then it was Hop on Music. And even the brand, and even that couldn't save the show. <laughs> It wasn't bad, but it's like it's it's another one of those things where it's like you know I I don't know it wasn't it wasn't groundbreaking it was interesting enough it was mm-hmm. Mark Hoppus that was rad it's cool to see Mark on yeah. TV every week but uh, definitely but fuck yeah um dudes I mean I guess I guess we're at the end of that do either of you have like any other points to make of about dogs eating dogs I mean again like I think. I liked it when it came out, but honestly, listening to it uh, for this, I think it's aged. Number one, it's aged a million times better than neighborhoods. Maybe in a way that's unfair because this is just an EP and that's a full length. You know what I mean? So, like, part of me feels like I got to give it leeway in that sense, um, just because you know there's there's more room to miss on a full length. But I think it's aged way better. And again, I think this is a very underrated release for Blink. Like, people don't talk about it enough. The songs have gotten buried live, I feel like, just because obviously Tom left and they really don't play them live now. Like, So it never really got the chance in that sense. It never really got a life uh, live-wise and stuff. Like, This is very underrated. And also, at the same time, it kind of sucks because you listen to it and you just go, fuck, I want more. Like, It's five songs. Like, Even though I know it's only five songs, when Pretty Little Girl ends, I'm always waiting for track six. I'm always waiting for another fucking song and it never comes. So it's like, which is a good sign too. It obviously it means you did a good job. Like I wasn't bored of it. I'm, I'm waiting for more, but uh, I think that's the biggest travesty. It's like, it's like homegrown who put out an amazing, their final EP was like, it was very different from them. They changed their sound, but it was really fucking good. And all you wanted was to hear what was going to come next. And then you never did. It fucking broke up. It's like that again, where it's like, band just is really on the verge of something good um you can tell they're gonna follow it up with something good and you guys are right too like we were talking about they were getting more interesting live i think they were they were getting their footing too you know to be honest i mean you know mark and travis did plus 44 but they did not like it you know there was a lot of contention between both camps for like five years or however long the breakup was and you know i think they were really finding their footing again i think they were getting along again more they were becoming they're really becoming Blink again. And, you know, after doing it for a few years and, uh, you know, once that momentum got going, then it all just fucking blew up, which is, you know, extremely sad. But, you know, to see where to see where they could even be now, I mean, think of that. They would have at this point been reunited for over 10 years. I mean, fuck, wouldn't it be interesting to, see, to think of like what what Blink would be right now if just it was Mark, Tom and Travis the whole time and we got a full length. We got to fucking follow up, you know, that they, they had just kept playing together live. Like the live show probably would have gotten a lot better. Like, I don't know. It's, it's sad. There's, there's a lot of shit that could fucking have happened that uh, just never happened. It's a bummer. Yeah. 
agree. Yeah, nail on the head right there. Fucking slit our wrists and burn down something beautiful. It's fucking sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is uh, that is the episode. Uh, for me, fucking follow us at Power Chord Hour, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Find us on Spotify. Shout out to you if you're listening to this on Spotify. We got playlists on there from the radio show every Friday night, 10 to midnight on 107.9 WRFA here in beautiful Jamestown, New York. Listen to it online, WRFALP.com. And uh, oh, and hit me up, PowerCordHour at gmail.com. We got free stickers. Rate and review the show. And uh, if you send me a screenshot, I'll send you a PowerCord Hour t shirt. They look beautiful. And uh, yeah, those are those are my fucking plugs. Uh, either of you dudes, anything you want to plug away at or fucking bring up before we end here? Dude, I just want to be funny and say so off-color stuff, but like I'm trying to keep it PG-13, so I have nothing that I should say right now. Do you want to Do you want to actually, uh, Zach, but, do you want to like take us out by just doing an acapella version of Family Reunion? Uh, no, I was thinking more of like my favorite Blink One Eight Two song. Oh, I mean, you, you can song. do, you can play us out if you want. You, you have your, <laughs> please go. Get no, Kyle, Kyle's the one with the guitar, man. How about Kyle play the blowjob? Kyle song? play blowjob. Play blue job. <laughs> oh man, I, I don't think you can. Uh, I don't think you have the uh, the budget to get me to play a song that I might get copyright stricken for. God, dude, that is the greatest excuse anyone's ever brought. Dude, that was the greatest way of getting out of doing that copyright especially issue. Since, especially since Mark is listening. That's all. God damn, really you're right. Oh, dude. easily. Oh, fuck. You better play. Dude, if you don't do Mother's Day, he'll just he'll just get us hung up. It can't be a Tom joke song. It's going to have to be Built This Pool or fucking Mother's Day. I mean, let, let's be honest. Mother's Day is, is a good song, but like, I feel like the joke songs – Tom, Tom's more the joke song guy. I feel like. I agree. Maybe because I'm he's wrong. so young. He's <laughs> <laughs> just fucking juvenile. Okay. Well. Very cool. I don't know. Is, is this it? Any any fucking closing? This remarks? is it. This is it, bro. I'm. This is it for me, homie. I am very tired. Fuck yeah! And uh, seek the boy. What'd you say? <laughs> He's just a little sleepy boy. <laughs> oh hell yeah, nah, dude. We gotta the end on that. He's a little sad. sleepy boy. Yeah, He's a little the sleepy boy. Over. <laughs> hell yeah, the weekend's over and I'm very sad.